Tim Burton's best movie, Winona Ryder isn't a lot this week, and Disney turns multiple failures into less of a failure this week on 30 2010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine each week, taking you back th- across three decades of music, movies, TV, uh, video games, and more. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I also knocked out heavyweight champion Sugar Ray Leonard. I understand that reference. I mean, he's he's out of my weight class, so I use my car. <laughs> and who else? It's me, Sarah, the holiday armadillo. Okay. <laughs> I understand that reference, too. God, I'm getting all this stuff. Uh, this is one of the busiest weeks 302010 has ever had. Oh, I, my God. I it don't know how, exactly why, but I guess these are a bunch of holiday films. Uh, before they released everything on Christmas or simultaneously on HBO Max. Yes, there's a topical joke in our show that is about everything except this decade. Welcome to 302010. If you don't get it, we go back 30, 20, and 10 years ago to, to celebrate the best anniversaries in pop culture. And where we're recording right now in our fifth season is, Jesus, the end of our fifth season. Yeah. Uh, 1990, 2000, and 2010. And we will be discussing this week, which is December 11th, through the 17th, across those three decades. We'll be able to tell you probably where you are, what you were doing, who you were on a date with, who you were breaking up with, so you could go see a mm. Tron movie. Uh, <laughs> notorious <laughs> kryptonite to women. Um, <laughs> getting a nod from Sarah, I'll take that. Yep, um, yep. But I, there's a lot to love and a lot of weirdness in this week's episode, so we better just get right on started. Wanted to thank our uh, executive producer, Nick Creature, and many other fine people at patreon.com slash lasertime, supporting not only 302010, but the whole Laser Time network. In the Can is uh, the video game show where I take the Video Game Apocalypse Boys, and we go through all the game anniversaries in depth with people who are actually in the industry while they were happening. So a little more in depth that we can go right here. But we'll, we'll give you mention on what's out this week, because there's a lot of other cool, notable games out this week. But the movies are the real highlight in a couple really great Christmas episodes of television. But just a little bit of news to bring you into the world of 1990, which is where we'll start before we head, of course, into 2020. Haiti ends the three decade, three decades of military rule with the election of Jean Bertrand uh, Aristide. Am I saying that right? Aristide. Aristide. Yep. Yep. Oh, a brief happy moment. It doesn't go well because uh, Haiti was under a brutal dictatorship with the, the Duvaliers, Papa Doc, Baby Doc, the Tonton Lacoute. So, yeah, when you have a secret police, you should name them basically the Boogeymen. Mm-hmm. That's really gives everyone a, a good feeling. But, yeah, they actually have a democratic election. Uh, Jean-Bertrand Aristide is elected and then they have a coup later and they he has to flee the country. And oh. <sighs> Haiti has issue i remember when i got back to florida the guy driving my car i think worked for his dad worked for that administration so he said he was like in and out of haiti uh his entire childhood like (laughs) uh now i can't come back for 10 years and now we're back oh i gotta leave again this is getting hot and yeah yeah fast fascinating history though super fascinating history um I would listen to a really long podcast about the Haitian Revolution and like that shit was hardcore. Yeah, man. Wow. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. slave revolts. Yeah. 
Uh, and uh, jumping right into the movies of 1990, Home Alone is still number one at the box office, as it is probably right now in holiday 90s hearts. But I would like to make a plea for one of these films to be acknowledged as a superior, or not a superior, but a really great holiday standard that no one thinks of. Yeah. Um, let's talk about a couple movies really fast before we get to, uh, I would say, the big three. The Sheltering Sky with Deborah Winger and John Malkovich and Campbell Scott is out. Die, is that... Yep. It's uh, an artier film. It's directed by Bernardo Bertolucci. It takes place in northern Africa. It's based on a book. It's supposed to be really gorgeous to look at, but uh, boring as hell. Mm. And I'm okay with that. It sounds like um, sounds like a Campbell Scott hallmark. Um, yep. Havana is also out, which sounds like it might be the exact same as what you just described. Uh, Havana should have been a fucking banger, um, really? but it failed horribly. I mean, it's directed by Sidney Pollack, who's always good. It's got Alan Arkin, Raul Julia popping up every fucking week on Man, this show. Man, he's doing the work. Yeah, this time at least he's Cuban, not German. <laughs> uh, Lena Olin and Robert Redford, and it's basically Casablanca meets the Cuban Revolution. Huh. Ooh, How I does did. that go wrong? How th- it was really expensive. They rebuilt part of Havana and they filmed in the Dominican Republic. And Robert Redford is this like cool gambling man, like on the eve of the Cuban Revolution. And like Lena Olin and Raul Julia like need his help to help the rebels. And you know, oh, but he's divided because he's in love with her, but she's with Raul Julia. And it's like it's it's fucking Casablanca. This should be a slam dunk. And it was so boring and just <laughs> it just laid there like there was no passion or fun or interest yeah. it was inert i was so bummed mm. dang yeah yeah sorry havana you you should have been amazing this that's it needs a redo yeah yeah someone do that again we're just yeah, yeah. use use the basic you know casablanca feel and just put it somewhere else that's like a crossroads of everyone and it's interesting yeah <sighs> and, Bummer. and uh uh, movies that did not disappoint 10 year old me like our next movie I, this movie uh, was amazing to me i know it doesn't uh, hold up well now featuring the voice of damon wayne's roseanne barr bruce willis and then real people like elias uh Co- how did you say that elias Cateus, olympia dukakis uh kirstie alley and john travolta and oh the awaited sequel look who's talking to Mikey's back. What's up, my man? And this time, he's a little wife. That's your baby sister, Julie, in there. My little sister is in my juice cup? And a little worried. I'm going to be in charge of your life for the next two or three years, smacking you around, getting you in shape. About his little sister. Get this jerk off of me. John Travolta, Kirstie Alley, and the voices of Bruce Willis, Roseanne Barr, and Damon Wayans. Yo! Look who's talking to. Now we got us a party. Rated PG. The voice of Damon Wayne. Yo! Um, <laughs> you got a single syllable in that commercial. Uh, I, I lo- as a kid, loved this movie. I'm baffled now that, like, did they, they used I Get Around for all their promotion because of the fallopian tube opening of the original film. Oh, <laughs> yeah. disgusting. So I just watched this, like, literally right before I sat down to record. Oh, dear. Because I loved this movie when I was a little Me kid. Too. Oh, boy. I saw it so many times, weirdly. Mm-hmm. Must have been on HBO. Yeah, no, I saw this one one more than I saw the original. I saw the original theaters. I saw this a billion times on television. Same here. And I didn't realize how far it sunk into my brain until I saw certain scenes. I was like, oh, God, I know this whole movie front to back. And that (laughs) opening fertilization scene is so disgusting. Oh, I love it. (laughs) I love it. Sorry. I love it. Sperm is the worst thing. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Whatever. I embrace mine. It's the worst. But yeah, I mean, I just watched it. 
you know, if you have a soft spot in your heart already for this movie, it's a delight to watch because it just right. takes you right down okay. back into memory lane. And they're, you know, the kids are cute. Kirstie Alley and John Travolta have really good chemistry, I think, together. Oh, they, they've never been hotter. They look, they yeah. both look fantastic. Oh, totally. Yeah, we, like, we had a lot of praise for the original and yeah. reappraising it. I was like, yeah, you know, this is fun. And, um, I couldn't get through this. I was like, I can't. I'm done. I don't know what it is. I'm done on this one. That's We're fair. done now. This That's this was totally a, a three or four movie series where the, only the first one is watchable to me. Oh, the, the second one's even worse because they couldn't even get the babies to act. It's the dogs. I would love to know how much they paid for the music rights because the music in this is like every humongous song. I mean, by the original singers mm-hmm. too. It's they must have paid out the nose. But this is Amy Heckerling again. Mm-hmm. Yay. And I love her very much. And yeah. A I had a couple chuckles in there. I, I mm-hmm. still think I have a clip of what I'm calling the greatest character in cinema history. I know. Like, oh, you're going to play. I think I, I know where this it. is going. Where I mentioned this to anybody and they were like, oh, the movie with blank and i'm like yep. god i just i swear to god i didn't remember who it was even though it's very because i've been doing an impression of it that's all wrong it's very clearly someone most people will recognize who like great comedies the oh yeah. sorry the toilet monster is where the the kids the kids are getting toilet trained and that is how they're toilet training themselves is by convincing themselves there's a monster who wants to eat their poop and pee and <laughs> oh boy did heckerling get a great voice actor to voice a living toilet saying lines in any other context would have you arrested Hey, you, you little pisher. I'm talking to you. Oh, no, what is that? Hey, you're supposed to give me some pee-pee. Where's that pee-pee? We're talking about pee-pee here. I need that pee-pee. Oh, no, Mr. Toilet Man. Listen, I've had it with you. You better give me that pee-pee. Oh, Mr. Toilet Monster, I routinely search for movie props and if i could find this one for like for like less than 10 grand i would get three new credit cards in order to buy it i love that would Mr. be Poopy amazing wait i'm sorry i thought you were gonna play the clip of gilbert Godfrey as the like uh kid like jim guy who's not just, today like, i'm gonna have a heart attack i'm having so much fun it's, it's I, my I favorite era of gilbert Godfrey, where like I've seen him do stand-up recently. It's kind of the same jokes, but like in every movie he appeared in, he clearly like riffed his ass off. Yes. Like just like mm, they, they cleared out an afternoon and just like do whatever, say whatever you want, Gilbert. And this is one of those. He's moments. saying things to children that no adult would say. <laughs> is it your sciatica, kid? <laughs> so wait, who is the toilet voice? Mel Brooks. Oh, that is okay. Sir Mel Brooks. Yeah. Sir Mel Brooks. I, I just I remembered it being an old and more monster like, but it's very cute now. Yeah, the, calls him a little pisha. A little pisha. Old Jewish toilet. <laughs> <laughs> an old Jewish toilet. Okay, I don't want to get in trouble. Um, but I, yeah, uh, I, 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 I would never ever recommend this movie. But I really liked it as a kid, and me too. And I didn't. I couldn't revisit the whole thing this week. But I, I. I'm. I know for a fact it doesn't hold up because I've watched it semi recently. I don't know. I don't know. Like, but this. I was all. I was on board all the way. And I saw another movie this week that I didn't like as much as I do now as an adult. So there. Mm. But uh, and and mermaids. I just didn't get it at all. Like was oh, just. Well, I guess you you were never a fifteen year old girl. No, I was at this point. I was five years away from being fifteen, so it was especially or, mystifying. Were you were you ever like a very neurotic kid? N- no. Or like a horny Catholic girl. <laughs> Uh, yeah. horny Catholic, but but loud and obnoxious. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. But you need to be neurotic to really get that. To really get the most out of Christina Ricci, yeah. uh, Michael Schaffling, uh, Winona Ryder, Bob Hoskins, and Sure, and Mermaids. 
Mrs. Flax had a tradition of being untraditional. Okay, how do I look? Like a woman about to go forth and sin. Oh, good, exactly the look I was hoping for. And the habit of leaving town at the drop of a hat. Teacher sent home a note that she thought that Charlotte had psychological problems. Charlotte were Jewish. What did you do? Removed. Oh. I do get some hope out of like Bob Hoskins being a love interest to a modern, oh, a modern Bob hot Hoskins lady. Bob Hoskins gets to nail share, <laughs> not even like ten minutes into their first date. And I'm sorry, it's believable. Like their chemistry also is really good. And he is adorable. I get uh, it. Yeah. I get it. I 100% get it. All right. There's hope for a, there's hope for a stocky, uh, <laughs> behaired back, uh, <laughs> men, uh, hair, lo- hair losing men out there. Good, 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 good. I fucking love this movie. It's so <laughs> good. It's so cute. It's so weird and quirky. Nobody's ever heard of it. It has share, just like just so she gorgeous. She is sharing it up. Oh, she, I, I do endeavor to have her hair as an older woman. Yes, just just sort of a giant crown of black hair. Yeah, it doesn't even look uh, like a. It doesn't even look like hair. It looks like a drawing of hair. Yes, <laughs> exactly. She looks like yeah. a drawing of a woman. Like yeah. just oh, she looks like a living morticia. Yeah, this. It's just yeah, it's a set nineteen sixties, early nineteen sixties, and it's just the story of this like family, Cher and Winona Ryder and Christina Ricci, and they kind of are vagabonds in a way. They go from town to town. She's Cher is like a, a quirky mom, which you know can be fun sometimes and can also be really traumatic at other times, yeah. depending. It's a, it's, on... It is a that is a, a recipe for a Republican. <laughs> well, and, yeah, that's yeah. What, what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Winona Ryder is like 15 and she's rebelling by dreaming of becoming a nun and turning all Catholic, even though they're Jewish. Give me boundaries, lady. Also so horny that like and so so much of the movie is her like praying to God that she like stops feeling these urges and like stops being attracted to their hot next door neighbor who's the groundskeeper for the convent that they live next door to. Anyways, it's just I've I loved it so much. I really identify with Nona Ryder as a teenager because as a Catholic girl I really felt a lot of the things that she was feeling and the sh- the shame and like the weirdness of like being attracted and ugh, your body's changing and everything. And also I love it too because Cher plays a mom and she does not cook. She only makes appetizers. And that is how I endeavor <laughs> to always live my life is to only be eating appetizers. <laughs> this is my favorite yeah. way to eat. <laughs> yeah, I I found it really interesting. And it like, I remembered it as Cher never learning anything. And I see like, oh, actually she does sort of realize like this is – not a great way for these kids to be raised. Mm. You know, she's she's basically acting like a teenager still and not parenting. And her her daughters need her to be a little bit more of an authority figure. I, I do love, I had to look up when was this filmed because I feel like Winona Ryder looks younger than she did in Heathers like two years ago. Mm-hmm. But no, it's called acting, darling. It's true, well, and it's uh, Christina, Christina Ricci's Ricci. first role. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, she's a teeny a tiny baby, and we baby. get her in, in uh, Adam's family next year. Next year, like, yeah, not even a year from now. Yeah, much older. Sam and I actually had a whole discussion about that because we were watching this, and we had just watched Adam's family for Halloween, and it's like feels like there's like five years between those two with Christina yeah. Ricci, but she just no. I, I very I, specific memory as a kid, like uh, watch Adam's family. I feel nothing, and then the advertisements for Adam's family values come out. Like, why can I stop staring at this girl? I'm like, oh, she she turned into a woman. And in between 
a year and yeah. a half, uh, like is is completely different. And yeah, like, but I mean, what's I happening mean, to thing, me? Why I know. Am, why am I noticing? She's all grown up. But I mean, one thing that I, I this was pretty charming, mm -hmm. you know, quirky little family movie. But one thing that I did love Winona Ryder's character doing was has that weird teenage girl neuroses where she thinks everything is a sign where it's mm. like, he looked at me three times today. And that means oh, he loves me. Like everything is like, Oh, and if, Oh no, look, Oh, he brushed his hair out of his face. That means something like being like really wanting everything to be a sign. And then like being super nervous around a guy and saying something. And then you're like, why did I just say that? How did I do that? I have to go leave the country now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's just cause she said like, haha, that's cool. Oh, why did I say that? Yeah, I, I want to say that to that's all all women. Serious neuroses. We're not we're not the ones who remember your awkwardness. You are. Mm -hmm. That your yeah. ladies are the ones where that's a deal breaker. That's never a deal breaker with guys. You can always come. I will forget what you did in four seconds, like a goddamn goldfish. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's good. It, I mean, if it's meant to be, he's also feeling nervous and awkward. Yeah. So they're canceling each other out. So yeah. I think guys, if you were a very nervous, awkward guy as a teenager, which I mean, so many people were, that you could probably relate to this sort of think of like, oh, if I just really wish hard enough. <laughs> um, but uh, like our last share movie where I know Sarah had like a page worth of notes. <laughs> I have one note on this movie. Mm -hmm. And that note is, he's 26! Yeah. Like in the movie? Yeah. And she is 15. Yeah. I guess that was an acceptable thing. I should say when I said the thing about Christina mm -hmm. Ricci, we're the same age, by the way. So like, I was wow. not. I, yes. Yeah. No, that's like, if, he, if they had made him 19 or 20, I'd be yeah. like, oh, I understand. They could have said he was 19. I don't, I, I don't know why they yeah. would. Yeah, they say he's 26. Wow. And I mean, I guess part of that is because then she starts to get jealous of her mom being nice to him and right. thinking like now they're in competition. So he's got to be somewhere in between because now that way mom's not a predator, but mm -hmm. he's still a predator. Hey. Ah, 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 ah. 26. Yeah. No, that is the main, the only thing that gave me pause mm -hmm. with the movie. It was just like, that's not great. Well, yeah. And yeah, having a, a crush on a much older person, and like I understand that a lot of teenagers have that too because they think they're grown ups and they think, oh no, we're peers. You don't realize, yeah, you're not yet though. They've already had experience and made mistakes and you haven't. And uh, shout out to Richard Benjamin who directed it. Who's yeah, what the mostly fuck? Mostly known as an actor. A guy I see constantly in older films and am always surprised where he pops up and he's directed a ton of stuff I like too. I, that guy's fascinates me because I sort of just discovered him like five years ago. It's sort of like, yeah. why do just, I keep seeing this what, guy what? everywhere? Watching Westworld? Yeah, the Westworld theater? or like the, the Last of Sheila or fuck, there was oh, something, there was something recently I just saw. But then I see like he directed a bunch of stuff too, but he he's, yeah. he's involved in like a billion things you've heard of, but like I'd never heard his name before. But huh. he's top billed in some of these older films. Yeah, he directed literally one of my favorite movies of all time. My favorite year. Yeah. I fucking love that movie top to bottom. It's he, hilarious. He looks like a more Anglo Pedro Pascal. <laughs> yeah. Pedro okay. Pascal's nerdy brother. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> Richard Benjamin. Yeah. It was, it's a name I've only like recently learned. So I was like very happy to realize this. Um, yeah. So yeah. Mermaids was kind of a, a fun little surprise. And, uh, and before we get into the next movie, I should say I had to double check release dates like three times to make sure they weren't screwing with us or I didn't make a mistake somewhere that we have two Winona Ryder movies coming out against each other. Two big Winona Ryder holiday movies released on the same day. 
Like, why? Why are they doing that to us? Ever, and guess what? Ever, though yeah. they are both good. Robin Williams yeah. stopped speaking to Disney for releasing a movie in the same month. <laughs> so Ramona Ryder the same day uh, is in another little movie with Alan Arkin, Vincent Price, which uh, in his final role. Oh wow! And, and yeah, like I, I just want to say, like watching perfect send off, man. Oh, well, it gets me right here. Watching this in HD in a larger screen, it's like I have never seen Vincent Price look this good in a live. It was like it was beautiful to see, and he doesn't look very sick at all, even though he was. Uh, Kathy Baker, Anthony Michael Hall, Diane Weist, and maybe her best role, uh, Winona Ryder, and Johnny Depp in his second best Tim Burton role, Edward Scissorhands. Hello, Avon calling. The director of Batman and Beetlejuice. Those are your hands. Would like you to meet. I think you should just come home with me. His latest creation. Whoa, look at my handshake you got there, Ed. <laughs> Can I bring the show and tell on Monday? Edward Scissorhands, The Incredible Tale of a Most Unusual Character, rated PG-13. I love this movie. And again, I, I love this keep movie. reminding everyone, it is a movie that is a story told at Christmas about why Christmas happens. It is a Christmas movie. So, yes. there. There, it is a Christmas movie. Undeniably Christmas movie. I don't know why it's the, the music from it isn't used at Christmas because it, it sounds Christmassy too. A it's choir not, of yeah. children. so Christmassy. It's kind of like the Harry Potter score yeah. is Christmas to me now. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear it every now and then I hear it in ads. It gets used in other trailers anytime they're trying to make something magical. Mm-hmm. It's so, so... Good. And yes, this makes it 30 years since we had the, the teaming of Tim Burton and Johnny Depp making yep. First one. Uh, what, about 914 movies together. First yeah. one brought in by his then girlfriend, Winona Wright. Look, yeah. he's just going to keep making it with Johnny Depp until Johnny Depp fucks his wife. That's just really what he wants. <laughs> and just every, every time I watch this, I'm, I'm sort of shocked that the nature of Johnny Depp's character, which is just an oddball character out of Tim Burton's head that like, how does this not speak to awkward and disenfranchised children of all stripes? It's wonderful. So all the lines fall on Diane Weist and, and Winona Ryder. So it feels like it feels like very much like their movie when I watched it, it before. Yeah, he he barely talks. Apparently, Johnny Depp spent a lot of time watching Charlie Chaplin movies mm-hmm. and trying to figure out how do I convey things with as little movement as possible. He does so, a real good job. He's so good at it, and I, I'm not in the most happy about having to praise Johnny Depp uh, currently, but like he, he's really showing why people liked him. And he was like an interesting person to work with. I, I never yeah. even thought about the physical comedy. I have in my notes that the physical comedy is great, but I didn't compare it to somebody like Chaplin and it, and it is because he has to convey so much without any words, confusion, mm-hmm. uh, fear. And he can only use like his eyes a little bit. He never talks. Mm-hmm. He rarely yeah. talks. And he can't like... gesticulate. <laughs> True. <laughs> Because he's a man born with scissor hands. There's no. I love. There's like. There's nothing metaphoric. Yeah, he's a he's a made person. He's a Frankenstein. Like yeah, he's Vincent a Frankenstein. Price, a Fra- the whole movie follows. Kind <laughs> I don't of know that why pattern. I said it like that. He's a Frankenstein. <laughs> it's weird. No, he's a he's a Frankenstein. Sure. I mean, come on. He comes from a big scary castle. The mob yeah. chases him up there at the end. He's a Frankenstein. Yeah. And, and just course. just the design, like um, uh, this and Batman Returns are when Tim Burton kind of has like a blank check to do whatever he wants. And as much as I, I dig the first Batman, Batman Returns, also a great Christmas movie, uh, mm. is is incredibly coherent in its design. And so is this. And I was shocked. I was watching it with my girl, and she just says, like, offhandedly, like, oh, this is all shot in my hometown. Like, excuse me? And, like, I, I thought it was oh, yeah. Burbanky, and it is 
her hometown, Lakeland, Florida. And she's like, no, that's our Publix. And like, bullshit. And I look and like, you know, we're watching in a larger screen now. Like the sign for Publix is there. They didn't do any set dressing. This place in Southgate in Lakeland is famous for looking like it's the 50s. But this town looks like it's from out of nowhere. And I think they were building a subdivision and allowed Tim Burton to paint all the houses different colors and and, and put all the adults in corresponding clean suits. Um, (laughs) It's a Venture Brothers reference, but it's what they're wearing. They're all wearing weirdo onesies. And yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a perfect picture of candy colored cookie cutter suburbia. It is Mm -hmm. so boring and it's very plain and friendly on the outside, but of course, underneath there's some like bad things. And I just, I love the shot of Diane Weist as like the Avon lady mm-hmm. and she's in her little suit and she's going door to door to every house that looks the same. And then like she adjusts the mirror on her car and there's this gothic castle at the end of the block. Mm-hmm. It has a, it, just, it's, it's design, so it's production great. design gives us this wonderful fairy tale vibe that mm-hmm. I think. Yes. After Batman, Tim Burton kind of strived to do with CG, and it it just isn't as impressive as this movie looks Mm -hmm. in its simplicity. If you look in every house, there's, like, no decorations. Everyone has, like, one thing on the wall. It's very spare, but still visually really interesting to look at. Like, the forced boringness of the houses is interesting in and of itself. That sounds super pretentious. No, no, I I, I don't know what lens it's shot with either, but it, it has, like, this low-to-the-ground fisheye lens look whenever it goes inside these places. So, like, it's it's jarring and weird and, like, kind of makes your stomach turn in a good way. And it's and it's also not like a good Wes Anderson movie, like, what year is this? And if they didn't oh, mention, yeah. if they didn't yeah. mention well, forehead VCRs, you would assume the 50s. I think one of the cool things about the weirdness of the town is maybe to puts you in the position of Edward Scissorhands of coming to this town where everything looks super weird to you because you've never experienced a waterbed before or like, you know, modern conveniences or whatever is in this town that, you know, he doesn't have in his castle. So like they're both aliens to each other and they're also very strange to you as the audience both parties are also very strange to the audience, that's, I feel like, too. Yeah, that's a good point. Even though I grew up in suburbia, I feel uncomfortable <laughs> with these yeah. people. Like, I get them, but I'm also a little creeped out by yeah. them. It's heightened. It's just mm. everything's so heightened in a way. But, oh, my God, I love Diane, Diane Weist in this so yes. much. She's, She's so great. sweet, so loving, just like, you know... She's just wonderful, and I just love it when he starts giving everyone haircuts, and the women <laughs> love it, and it is the wild, wild shit, but it's so cute Those how are, they're all like super into it. They're all wonderfully drastic, asymmetrical yeah. haircuts that everyone seems to just... <laughs> I have no problem with this. This is... <laughs> uh, it, it's such a... Yeah, visually such an interesting movie without like being incredibly over the top or... a. Or a camera that's in a fucking spin cycle. It's just beautiful in, in some of its staticness. And uh, I, I don't even know how to... Dis- Again, I feel like... I, I think I said that about Beetlejuice, but like I can't imagine going into a room and pitching this. What's it about? Yeah. Guy with scissor hands? What happens? Does he yep. uh, defeat it's- evil? No. <laughs> no, uh, it's based on uh, his drawing I did when I was a teenager yeah. and I was bored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he kills a guy. Was he a bad guy? Sort of. Uh, <laughs> sort of a bad That's guy. True. That was kind of a shocking murder. Yeah. But, mm. you know. Self-defense. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just such a, like, a simple story that it's just like, it's everything else in between that makes it incredibly interesting. The performances and the production design and the music. And 
it's it's I think it's what people think of when they think of Tim Burton cliches, but it's it, to me it's sort of like no, this is like the best of the Tim Burton cliches of here. Yes, it's, it's, yeah. it's very very good, and it makes me cry all the time. Uh, I watch it about once a year now. Uh, I really like this movie a lot, and a lot, yeah, I, I this the snow sequences are amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I remember as a kid and as a twenty year old, I didn't know who that was in the beginning of the movie and oh, when you can actually the story when you can watch that and not some somehow say that's Winona Ryder an old person makeup like wow <laughs> um and then I uh can I did I tell you that story I told that story on bonus time about an incident I had with someone I was seeing that didn't work out and is it, mm-hmm. I, this may not be the right place for it but it was funny to me and we were it was it was Christmassy and um with a girl and her her kid, who's like nine years old, and what's a weird Christmas movie that she hasn't seen? I'm like, oh, Edward Scissorhands. That's going to be a good one. She, I promise you she'll love Edward Scissorhands. And she kept turning around to me as he's like, did you like it? And she's like, I I don't like it. I love it. I'm like, yes, I'm really yeah. scoring here. I'm really scoring here. And then, you know, we're from slightly different backgrounds, me and this girl. And then Edward gets goes into that salon and starts being seduced by that older woman. And she looks at me and she's like, why would you think this is appropriate to show a child? And I'm like, <laughs> what are you kidding? And I look at her and she's not joking. And she's like, why? And she starts yelling at me. Why would you show this to my child? I'm like, it's been an hour. And she, you both have been having a great time. And, and then she, she starts yelling and the child starts pulling on her. Like, mommy, I'll never watch it again. Mommy. I'm like, look what you did. I can't be a part of this. And I'm like, this is Edward Scissorhands for fuck's sake. She's like, why would you think this is appropriate to show a 10 year old? Like I was 10. My sister was, uh, was younger. What are you talking about? But that's, you, you date people in the conservative South. And for some reason, like an inkling of sexuality is way worse than stabbing someone in the neck. And, right. But yeah. she's, I mean, you couldn't just have the little discussion of like, oh, she's being a bad person. I, I want to have a discussion. She's the, she's the bad guy. Honey. She learned her seduction techniques from Bugs Bunny. And this isn't serious. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> it does. Yeah, I'm glad that chapter of your life is closed, <laughs> personally. <laughs> uh, it was uh, not a fun yeah. thing. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, like, uh, you know, there's no reaching over the aisle with a certain kind of conservative. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, could have been a teachable moment, man. <laughs> but I, 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 Why? Why teach? Uh, just scold. Other than that, mm. if you have kids, I, I, I'm bringing that up to make fun of myself and uh, that's the only thing you have to worry about with showing this to your kids it doesn't contain anything super grisly it 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 feels very kid appropriate it's pg-13 but um Mm. i i don't know what its classifications are now there's no partial nudity there's not really real violence no gunplay yeah some smoking not really i mean i think some of the images are a little disturbing like if yeah you know it's just he's crazy looking and Mm. and that if he I was a kid that was sensitive to that sort of thing. So oh, really? um, that would be something to keep in mind. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember talking to the little girl about it. She like, they, all little girls are famous with, tw- are, are, are familiar with twisted looking castles. And she felt bad for him immediately for being forced to live there. Like, has he mm-hmm. tried yeah. living somewhere else? And like, he doesn't know anything else. I'm like, that's terrible. I'm like, you're the best kid. Let's keep watching this movie. I hope your mom and I get along forever or at least the next 90 <laughs> minutes. And it didn't happen. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think I this is such. Yeah, I really don't think people think of this as a Christmas movie, yeah. and they mm-hmm. absolutely should. This was such 
a joy to go back and revisit and just yeah it's weirdness but it's simplicity and shout out to caroline thompson the screenwriter who doesn't get mm -hmm. enough credit she also wrote uh, adam's family and secret garden and nightmare before christmas and wow. black beauty the 94 remake and that's that's some solid shit man yeah, wow, that's, that's a hell. That's, that's a, that, a great. Her nineties were stacked. Holy shit! Yeah, her, her early she, 90s. she just kind of became like Burton's go-to. Like, uh, I got a bunch of ideas on some napkins here, mm -hmm. and she turned it into like an actual. Was she the one who was play. reading who had read a, written a novel about someone's abortion coming back to life to haunt them? Yes. And Burton's yes. like, I think she'd be great to write Edward Scissorhands based on a sketch I drew. <laughs> 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 um, interesting. That was her. Okay. It's interest. It'll be interesting to. I mean, Johnny Depp has had such an interesting career, mm -hmm. and to see him go from this and Gilbert Grape and Fear and Loathing, and then just what happened, man? Like, what happened with him? It was the Disney money. It must have been. It yeah. was the Disney. Did money. he become pop? He became too popular. I guess. became too mainstream. I think, I think he bought himself too many islands, got himself too many addictions, and addicted yeah. to a certain kind of money and had to make a certain kind. Because we were talking about him in The Tourist last week. Johnny right. Depp's career yeah. in this period is fascinating because everybody wants to do shit with him, but he won't do anything like, that people ask him to. It, all he'll do is weird stuff. I'll be in mm -hmm. Benny and June, Gilbert Grape, a Jim Jarmusch movie that like won't be seen for a very long time, despite being filmed around this time. Uh, uh, whatever Brando's in, I'll do that too. And <laughs> it, it will only work with people he likes. And he was a fascinating dude to watch. Still is, for the most part, give or take the wine-stained teeth and pile of scarves that he has become. But uh, I, I don't hate him here. And it's just odd to think about, like, this is Tim Burton meeting him. Like, um, no, I've, I've never seen yeah. 21 Jump Street Ruinona. Why? Um, <laughs> how good is your boyfriend? Oh, and that's it's... it's It'll be like the De Niro Scorsese thing of my generation. Like they, they will mm -hmm. work together in almost everything ever forever after. Yeah, my my big recommend this week is Edward Scissorhands. It is it is absolutely yeah. wonderful. Uh, yeah, it's one of those I always really liked, and then kind of like looking back on it now and put mm -hmm. it into context and thirty years later and realize this is a fucking classic. Yeah. I um, feel very comfortable saying this is a classic movie. Absolutely. And the kind of thing that'll probably never happen again. Like even like Burton had just made Batman for Warner Brothers. Like, you can do whatever you want. And he's like, I want to make Edward Scissorhands. And they're like, except that. I'm so we're selling it to Fox. Which, which I forget, opens with a snowy Fox logo. It is a Christmas movie. That's all I'm saying, you fucking diehard weirdos. Okay, television of 1990, December 11th through the 17th. I wish I could tell you more about remote control. But oh, I loved remote control. There are a few people who are worse about archiving their old content than MTV for some reason. They had Truly, all their shit yeah. online for a while. I, 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 who was the host of it? Was it Ken Ober? Yeah. Uh, did he die? He, yeah, and Adam Sandler was like everybody else. And, and Colin Quinn and Dennis Leary were on the show. Yeah. And it was about mm -hmm. being obsessed with television in the 70s, which if you grew up in the 80s, you were exposed to that whether you liked it or not. You knew too much about yeah, the Brady Bunch. Exactly. And... It was it was a wacky quiz show. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you lose, um, <laughs> your your chair would recede into the wall, and you'd be eaten by monsters or some stuff. You know, they yeah. they played in like easy chairs and threw popcorn at each other, and yeah, it was just a lot of fun. And they had a lot of weird comedy bits with uh, fun comedians, and it's a bummer. Yeah, MTV's remote control has its own video game from Game Tech. Uh, huh. On the twelfth, the Wonder Years episode. Wonder Years, by the way, has great Christmas episodes. I was reading a review that said this isn't necessarily one of them. A very cutlip Christmas. And is the episode where Kevin Arnold, on break from school, notices that the mall Santa is also his coach, Coach Cutlip. Um, and <laughs> oh, man. Asked to oh. keep, keep that secret, 
and doesn't end up ends up getting out to all the bullies, which culminates in a scene of Kevin in between this coach he thought he didn't like, who is now about to be exposed in front of all of his awful students for having to work. It's one of those tragic things about the Wonder Years that I do like, um, exposing adults for flawed scared individuals um first mm-hmm. show I, I knew to do that but also because it was nostalgia nostalgia catnip for my dad so i was being forced to watch it <laughs> this is um from someone who covered christmas specials for several years one of my favorite things about christmas specials is because of the animated cycle most people didn't do a christmas special in their first season they do it in their second season but in many cases mm-hmm. that meant the christmas special was their also, their series finale, as is the case with the new kids on the block Christmas special, <laughs> which oh. well, I maybe are with this aired in primetime, which I think mm-hmm. probably made a this lot of adults cartoon, mad. Though, this right? is a cartoon, but I think they're wow. pimping. They had a Christmas album, and please do yourself a favor, look up a funky, funky Christmas from New Kids mm. on the Block. <laughs> um, no pass. This is the just a little clip that makes me giggle from the end of the New Kids on the Block Christmas special. Merry Christmas, Albert. Yeah, Merry Christmas! Those are the fake new kids, voiced by none of their actual voices. Because several of them weren't very charismatic to speak, if you ever saw them speak. Is that a rocket? Yeah, they befriended a homeless kid who ends up leaving on a cab spaceship, and then we never, ever heard from the show again. Um, (laughs) Probably for the best. Yeah. Probably for the. What's even better is not being able to find any clips from Bob Hope's 1990 Christmas special live from Bermuda. Everybody. Um, oh god. Yeah, this sounds real bad. But we gotta be rounding the corner to being done. With no, things, right? No, right? there are five more years, multiple specials for years. It, but it's just like the. I think maybe my grandparents were like the last generation to care about a Bob Hope special, but I. It is one of those things, whenever we find one in 302010, I go and look it up. And unless something crazy happened or someone's dead like the next year, there's the Venn diagram of someone old enough who knows how to use the internet can't upload or talk about this or share their experience. So <laughs> it's, you just have to like piece things together through weird, weird memories on message boards about this kind of stuff. And that makes yeah. me giggle as a 302010. I, I guess the appeal too is that it is like the only thing that's airing that's like an old timey variety show. At this point. Yeah. yeah. And it's in, I, yeah. I think the clip, one of the clips I found from this maybe was like a reunion between right. Bob Hope, Milton Burl, and Danny Thomas. And like, I'm not going to wow. waste any of our listeners' times describing who those people are to you because I barely know. I don't know what they're from other than appearances on things because they were famous before I was born. I, I don't know who these people are. They're old ass comedians. They're old ass comedians, which I, I respect. And That's it. Especially That's it. the size of Milton Berle. Uh, but also, <laughs> also <laughs> this week, uh, SNL is hosted by by Dennis Quaid with musical guest the Neville Brothers. <laughs> uh, and with a classic sketch, uh, according to Sarah, I know this with dysfunctional family Christmas. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's so fun. It's that time of year when families gather together to reopen old feelings. And Silver Bell Records is proud to present a dysfunctional family Christmas. This is the album your family is sure to cherish for Christmases to come. Christmas time, you force a smile. Everyone is joining in the group denial. Folks behaving infantile. Family Christmas time. Hit after dysfunctional hit. Songs like the almost perfect Christmas. Dinner is perfect, the presents are perfect, the tree and the parlor's a perfect one. 
your brother yells at your mother, Christmas is ruined for everyone. Their version of dysfunctional, <laughs> that is what I'm nostalgic for. This is the year where everyone says something racist at the table or... <laughs> Really? You're going to spit that conspiracy theory all over my sweet potatoes? Thanks. Luckily, we don't have to sit at a table with anyone. Right. Uh, luckily. I, so many of these songs, I know all the words too. How many times did I end up watching this? I don't know. The, Which one were you thinking of? Was it the fun, Funny Runny Dad song? Yes. I think what? Yeah. believe they got that blaspheme past the censors and uh also out this week is this a tv movie this is a tv movie that for some reason i have very vivid memories of watching I... starring ah. olivia newton john as a mannequin who gets brought to life to be a mom to a child whose mother jr rawls had something about that ah. on, on the the laser time facebook this week just because like these tv movies you typically never see again so if they do something weird, it sticks in your brain and you spend the rest of right. your life Googling this horse shit because right. it's, it's not available and anywhere. This is like Olivia Newton-John's like TV movie debut and nobody had really seen her for a very long time until the, the, like this is kind of her comeback wow. a mom into for consciousness. Christmas. It's a Christmas wish for the mom she never had. It's what I want. You want a mom for the holidays. Now with a little magic, a miracle is coming to life. magic spell is over Midnight. can one little girl's love keep the magic alive till christmas never forget olivia newton john's first tv movie a mom for christmas on nbc i'm telling you if we did our job right some this ping something in someone's head like that's exactly. the movie uh, and yeah. no it's not the song they she sang that in xanadu too so if that suddenly <laughs> set you off like Wait, I wait, why is, is she roller skating in this? I remember she's roller skating. No, 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 that's Santa. <laughs> no, 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 okay. Santa. I do love that song. That's where Swan from the Warriors <laughs> was there. Uh, dancing along. And that is about it for uh, television. We move into games uh, of 1990, December 11th to the 17th. Commander Keen is released as shareware this week. Uh, one of the first games to do that. But it is also a rare PC platformer. Again, we'll go further in depth on patreon.com slash laser time. But this is all about John Carmack figuring out how to draw a level as fast as a Nintendo could on the PC. And it was, he did, he did it so well. They pitched it to Nintendo to like, this is the only way to make Mario work on the PC. We think we got it. Music of 1990, because I love you. The postman song by Stevie B is still number one. We got also new releases. going to make you sweat by uh CNC music factory. Uh, seems to be the only release I could find this week. And we're going to hear it all through 1991. Mm -hmm. Oh my God! Yes, and then forever on Jock Jam CDs that yep. they play mm -hmm. at high school cheerleading competitions. Yep, or the <laughs> jo or the John Waters episode of The Simpsons. That's true. Oh. Uh, the yep. Shoop, Shoop song by Cher for Mermaids. Did Whitney Houston do this eventually? We're going to close out with that? No, that's that's yeah. a different one. This okay. is a new one. Although, now I want to give you the option because I know Sarah, you love Mermaids, and I this do. came out with it. Mermaids. It's a fun song. Or do we go out with Carol of the Bells from Dysfunctional Family Christmas? Ooh. Take your time. Well, I think we're all pretty familiar with Shoop Shoop, so I think we got to go with the uh, 
the Carol of the Bells. Mm. All right, I'm in. Let's it's go. Christmas. Carol it's the Christmas. Bells. It is our. It is one of our Christmas episodes. And stay right there because we'll be back with the year 2000, talking about uh, I would say an underrated Disney movie, but not by our generation. Imagine 24 timeless standards, including the classic Carol of Intimacy. Leave me alone, please go away. I'm doing fine. Just get away. Leave me alone, please go away. I'm doing fine. Just. Get help today. Operators are standing by. Coming in 2000 with He Love You Not by Dream, which seems like a dream because I've never heard of this or seen whatever this is. It looks like a sketch in the MTV Movie Awards. Well, you must not have been going to high school dances then. Uh, I was not. I mean, I was, but just to check it out. Like, (laughs) Okay, yes. Um, New releases live at the Fillmore by Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill has a live album? You do? Oh my goodness. I look forward to someone saying the N-word in the weirdest octave in all hip-hop. Uh, <laughs> it's my description of Cypress Hill. Um, Independent Woman Part 1 by Destiny's Child is still number one. Uh, a little bit of news to bring you into the world of 2000. That's right, we are 10 years into the future from Edward Scissorhands is of distant memory. On the 11th to the 17th, news like Final Reactor at Chernobyl shut down. The f- yeah. What? It kept it going. For 14 Even years? all that shit happened in 86, there were still some... Some of it works. Some of it's fine. It's still good. It's still good. And yeah, it kept running. <laughs> okay. I mean, okay. Didn't they have to build like a giant Russia, bank man. vault around half that city? Um, yeah. And also, the Supreme Court rules 5-4 on Bush v. Gore, ending the recounts and leaving Bush the winner of the election. <sighs> by five, Thanks, Sandra Day O'Connor. By, by yeah. 537 votes in Florida. Yep. Which is from ha- having lived in Florida at the time, that is totally not legitimate for real. <laughs> there was way more votes, like uh, shady shit with votes going on in, in multiple different aspects. But uh, yeah. Gore got uh, 500k more in the um, in the popular vote. Wow, can you imagine not having <sighs> mm-hmm. having it be? Have, yep. Can you imagine winning it still losing by that much um, as opposed to <laughs> anyway? Yeah, no, that was the first time it had happened since 1888, and everyone was like, wow, that's super wrong. That's 500,000 votes more in the popular vote. This is, Bush is completely delegitimate. And then in 2016, it happened again by 3 million votes, because our system is uh, kind of broken and stupid. Yeah, or at least, like, can someone talk about recalibrating this, maybe? Like, maybe this doesn't work very well. Maybe if you lose the popular vote by 3 million votes, this system doesn't work very well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, yeah yeah happening twice within 16 years uh for something that hadn't happened for more than 100 years yeah and nearly happening again and almost happened again so yeah yeah. unbelievable (laughs) anyway um our system is weird (laughs) movie anyway 2011 to the 17th of december we got yee yee um with uh elaine jin and Wu nin jen uh, yeah, uh, I got to throw this in here because it's it is actually one of the best reviewed movies of the year. It's got a Criterion ed- uh, edition. It's a Taiwanese film about multiple generations of this family. Just sort of like the, it it just 
it's just the, sort of this big family saga, but very small and personal. And it's one of those movies I keep meaning to see because everyone says it's so great. And we had too many movies to watch this week. My God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hi. My God. <laughs> I do. I am legitimately curious for how many times your post popped, popped up in my Facebook feed. I, did you get around to the immortal classic, Hal Sparks, Charlie O'Connell, Christy Swanson, Marla Sokoloff, Jennifer Garner, Sean William Scott, and... The Kutch, Aston Kutcher, and Dude, Where's My Car? No. <laughs> Jesse and Chester can't remember. Dude, where's my car? What they did. No way we were here last night. Look, it's Jesse and Chester. <laughs> or who they did it to. Have you seen my car? I saw the back seat. Oh, I'm talking about the whole thing. Three orders of garlic chicken. And then. Three orders of white rice. And then. No ending! No ending! No ending! Dude, where's my car? Oh, goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, so I posted uh, because we had so many movies this week, and I was stuck between do I, I posted on Facebook saying, I am stuck. I have a limited amount of time. Do I watch the documentary that Disney does not want me to see, or do I watch Dude, Where's My Car? And everyone responded, and then? <laughs> and I was like, it took me it took me a little bit to find out, oh, that's a joke from the movie, but it's like I just said I haven't seen it. I don't get your jokes. <laughs> but I played a lot. It was fun. I had no idea that that's what that was from until literally this second. I, I, I just remember I, people in high school saying it and I was like, Wow. I, I had seen it. I was ready to like um disappear into this film and like, sure, this is this is Harold and Kumar fun. Like Harold and Kumar is is fucking like the criterion version of whatever this is. This is <laughs> Like, it's a stoner comedy, man. It is. And it's not. It's not. It goes in directions I was not expecting. Yes. I did read. I did read the detailed synopsis, and um, I don't remember so many stoner comedies involving warring factions of aliens. Yes. And, and <laughs> with what? the the worst special effects you've ever seen in your life, and it it seems very cheap, and you know it's a twenty year old comedy, but there's still like like this entire 20 minutes is based on like just raw sexism. <laughs> it's just, it's just not, I don't know. It didn't, I, I only watched like little clips from it to remind myself of it. Cause I, I picked, I watched this at some point. I don't remember. I did, obviously it wasn't theaters. Um, and I, 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 if you haven't heard me on the show before, I love dumb duos. I love dumb mm. duos. Uh, all of them. I love Cheech and Chong, Wayne and Garth, Romeo and Michelle. I, I have a really high capacity for this stuff. And even this is like, eh, even I have my limits. And, and, <laughs> and it might be it, dude. Where's my car? It is by far the weirdest merchandise piece of tchotchke I picked up in the history of working in entertainment. And it was from someone's desk who quit. And I, because I definitely wasn't working in the year 2000 in the entertainment industry, it was a uh, German Rubik's Cube that was, dude, uh. where's my car promotional? So you can line up Sean William Scott and Ashton Kutcher. It's, and it's all in German. <laughs> and the dudes were my car logo in German. Like how how would how would I even find this? No one will believe me that this exists unless I keep it with me forever. And I did. No, it's one of those where it's like, I mean, I yeah, I appreciate a good stoner comedy, mm-hmm. and the people seem to be split on this. Is like people, a lot of people like it. You know, it has some sort of cult. It has like cult fans because mm-hmm. it's like so goofy and so stupid, and other people who think no, just stupid. But can we please appreciate the perfection of that title? It's it's just a great title. It tells me a lot in four little words. It does. Yeah. And it just but it also like lends itself. This will be a punchline in Eddie yeah. every critic's worst of list 
throughout the entire year in a, in a way that like that's why I didn't want to believe what the critics said about it. Like this isn't for you. This is for yeah. my stoner right. ass. Yep. Uh. And they they have been trying to pull together a sequel called Seriously, Dude, Where's My Car? Which again, <laughs> great title. <laughs> exactly the title it should be. I mean, if they're gonna call it that, it's got to be like a noir or something. <laughs> Speaking of Ser- well, serious is in the title. I would say <laughs> if flipping around to bad titles. <laughs> I don't know. A uh, terrible title. What you you prefer? Um, Kingdom of the Sun. Was it King Kingdom of the Sun? No. Or Kingdom in the Sun. No, I don't at all. But but I I do like what this ended up being salvaged into. Uh, Wendy Malick, Patrick Warburton, Eartha Kitt, John Goodman, and David Spade in the Emperor's New Groove. Once he was an emperor on the throne. Ah, boom baby. Now a toast. He's a llama <laughs> on the land. Yeah, weird. Disney Pictures presents an epic story of courage. We're about to go over a huge waterfall. Yep. Sharp rocks at the bottom? Most likely. Bring it on. Booyah! Friendship. Just gonna have to trust me. And learning to stand on your own four feet. Woo, yeah! You just saved my life. The Emperor's New Groove, rated G. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm, Emperor's New Groove, um, which I don't think we need to make the case that this movie's fun for the younger generation. I know my, my girl, when I was at Disneyland, I had to get her friend, like what Disney stuff can I get her things from? And like, this was at the top of the list for someone a little younger. Um, because a lot of the Disney stuff wasn't hitting and we'll totally see that in the next segment. Just the, um, Mm -hmm. Disney was in this really weird phase for like 10 years, especially with its animated product and didn't really know what to do anymore. It had made, um, stuffy, serious musicals, following um, its renaissance. By that, I mean Hunchback and Pocahontas. And Mm -hmm. everything that occurred after that is some of the weirdest shit the studio would ever produce in terms of their (laughs) animated films. And Emperor's New Groove, I don't know. Where do you guys want to start with this? I I don't know. I mean, if we go into the background, the the documentary Disney doesn't want you to see is called The Sweatbox. And I Mm -hmm. watched that instead of Dude, Where's My Car? Because (laughs) it's about the making of Emperor's New Groove. And Disney doesn't want you to see it because it shows what, chaos was going on behind Mm -hmm. the scenes that they had this set up for this movie that was like a lot of good ideas but really too much like too complicated a story where it was like a prince and the pauper thing with david spade and owen wilson and then Mm -hmm. like they change places and then one gets turned into a llama and also there's like they get into like the sun god and the deities and stuff and so uh with songs by sting and it's all about Sting pulling all these songs it together was, while they're still changing the plot, and they scrap it all. They were trying to make another Lion King, essentially. It was the, it was the director yeah. of the Lion King, and it's it's illuminating just because, like, I don't know, like the uh, animated films tend to have uh, too many cooks is the wrong word, but like a lot of overthinking. And yeah. I don't know that the documentary shows chaos, but it does distill what I'm guessing is like five years worth of pre-production, which most movies don't have the fucking luxury of. But animated movies make so much fucking money, like it, like throughout their history, throughout their, especially Disney movies, where even their failures yeah. end up being successful on like VHS and DVD. As yeah, but this, they're, this they're this, so labor intensive, and yes. there's so many people involved, and mm-hmm. that's the thing is Sting is off writing these songs to fit into story beats 
that they're now saying, oh, that, that one's gone, or that one's gone. Or we we did like a, a table read and the producer said no, and we're going back to the drawing board and we're doing this. And it was really interesting yeah. to watch. Part, part of Sting doing the movie, so, he agreed to have so his, his fuck-worn wife. Uh, by that I say he's a tantric master, never lets her come. Oh, boy. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, Poor Sting. <laughs> he shouldn't have said it out loud. Uh, I mean, yeah. But he, if he part of agreeing to do the music, he... Like his wife, they, Disney had to agree to let them film this process, which, you know, they Disney films the process, but they edit it in a way that they can put on your DVDs and make you feel happy about the sweat box, which I think is on YouTube. It periodically gets like scrubbed from the internet and you just have to find it again. It's a finished film and like it is not a glamorous portrayal of the process. It is. It, no. It's a stressful looking version of the process. No, it's yeah, it is really stressful. And you see how many people are involved and how collaborative it ends up as they try to workshop what they already have to make it into something that people will like. And yeah, I, I mean, a lot of people end up leaving and then new people end up coming on and they just cycle through and through and through. And they're mostly white dudes. And there is a point where I'm like, oh, thank God there's a woman in the background. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's not holding a tray of coffee. Thank goodness. Ah, she is. I think there was a black animator. Oh, thank God someone is here. But yeah, to see all these people, you know, all this work end up just being, I, you know, it's part of, part of the, uh, the process and it all gets thrown out, but we needed it so we can get forward to this point and then changing it to something very different than what they were going for. I mean, a lot of the ideas are still there. There's still an emperor. It's still in South America. He still gets turned into a llama. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eartha Kitt's still playing basically the same character, which, god damn, she's great. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that there's like this whole generation that loves Eartha Kitt <laughs> because of this movie. That is that is the, the greatest casting. Fantastic. Because it's, it's yeah. a thoroughly unique character with an incredibly unique voice. And and I, 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 I watched this recently just for the fuck of it. And it's just like, there is something very weird and, and, and cheap about this movie. That's my only real... St- light against it but that's because like uh if if you didn't get it from what diana said like owen wilson was the star of this movie it was supposed to be a prince uh prince and the pauper story um and david spade was to be the counterpart to his prince whereas and then they're just like let's just keep the funny guy (laughs) and made and made him the prince and had them learn like minor prince and the pauper lessons but like it is just a wall-to-wall comedy but there's Mm -hmm. i'm looking at this you know and like whatever new Disney plus 4k version. And like, this is just a blue background in the back of this. This is not lavish Disney animation at all. Um, no, they had, they had to rush. They were given, they were supposed to come out right. in the summer and they're like, we'll give you till Christmas. And it's like, uh, 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 do you know how many drawings we yeah. have to make to get to this finished movie, which is still only like not 90 minutes, something like that. It's still pretty short, Yeah, we, but we, I'd we, never we, seen this uh, when I was younger. I watched this like a couple months ago and I I loved it. I had so much yeah, fun, but it's I think it's because it's it's a Looney Tunes movie, man. Yeah. It's not Disney-ish at all. It is way more Looney Tunes style comedy. Well, mm-hmm. halfway through the process, they brought in Warner Brothers animators to mm-hmm. make a se- a second movie, basically. In the that's why the process is so interesting. You have the Lion King director trying to make another lavish musical Lion King, and then you have like these Don Bluthian. Warner Brothers animators making what is essentially a fucking comedy and casting David Spade and Patrick Warburton. Patrick Warburton's Kronk is kind of like (laughs) the thief of this film. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Everything, every line reading was perfect from Patrick Warburton. (laughs) He just 
He's just one of our greatest gifts that nobody talks about. Yeah. Don't enough. believe Sarah. She's too bossy. <laughs> and yeah, and the combination of him as this, you know, giant lummox and, and scary skeletal Eartha Kit is <laughs> so, so much fun. It's so oh, funny. It. Yeah, I loved it too. I did not I also did not see it when I was younger. And I do think that people who are two to five years younger than me, it really hit with them. I mm-hmm. think I just like a little bit aged out of oh, yeah. you know, this um when two thousand came around. But man, it is it's wonderful. It is funny. I mean, it just hits on every like comedy beat. It's just it's straight up funny. And there's I was really refreshed that there was no love interest situation. Yeah, it's yeah, very that, strange for a Disney movie to really not nice. have that. Yeah, it's it was refreshing. And y'all know I love friendship, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's all about friendship and mm-hmm. like becoming friends. So I just absolutely loved every minute of it. Yeah, I, yeah. So yeah I was so surprised. I, I just, I don't know why I just sort of wrote it off as baby film for babies. And I was like, dude, I'm laughing out loud. No, <laughs> it's I, I really good. The, the biggest takeaway I have of it is, you know, at this point, I love David Spade. David Spade yeah. was a, a rising star and he's casted a bunch of shit. And now we only see him in like, eh, whatever you want to call the Madam Sandler movies. And it's just like, damn, he is good. There's, he does, he does some kind of version of himself very funny that I used yeah. to very much like to see. And Emperor's Groove is my biggest reminder of like why I like David Spade so much. That mm-hmm. that Bring It Online makes me laugh every time it's I see so it. It's so good. It's so good. It's so perfect. Yeah. And the character animation is fantastic. I don't want to say that. It's just, mm-hmm. a, I would say like just the backgrounds are like weirdly static and the camera is like immobile uh, in a way that wasn't happening 10 years before in Disney animation or like one year afterwards, you can see, I think you can see the rush they were in. Like even the goofy movie has bigger sequences and that was intended to, for video. So this is fascinating. We did a laser time about lost media and like there's, there's, I think a animatic wise, I think they said like half to three quarters of the movie with Owen Wilson still in it where he's Mm. the star um, completed. And it's just, if you, if it wasn't for the sweat box, you wouldn't, know that ever existed or definitely you would but you hear owen wilson in that documentary as Mm -hmm. the original star of the film yeah you you see him during the recording sessions Mm -hmm. and it's so it's so interesting also like where they she's talking to david spade and you know you see him in the recording sessions and realize like it's years till the movie gets done yeah (laughs) he's like trying to remember like what was my character's name again? Like, cause they had to change the character's name because yeah. they found out it meant pussy in Japan. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, so, yeah. And just even, even as they're coming near the end to find out like, Oh, you know, Sting gets mad. Cause he realizes he thinks that the end of the movie is still kind of anti-environmental. Like he doesn't learn his lesson right. enough. And it's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to build my emperor water park on this other village now. And he's like, no, you're still hurting indigenous people. And they're like, Bucks Sting's right, so they changed the ending. They yeah. made it a lot better. And, and, and it's so Sting has weird. one it's song like, in the credits now. <laughs> yeah, he gets one song in there, and uh, a couple of the songs that he had are on the soundtrack, so you can find them. Uh, Walk I, the Llama Llama is pretty fun. I think they they gave him uh, probably pretty pretty sweetly a, a bunch of those songs back, and they appear on his later albums. Uh, yeah, but because they could have just like never had them never released uh, yeah so but I, they, they say in there it's like that maybe sting is the wrong choice to write songs for a kid's musical just because his his stuff is a little too musically complex mm. and lyrically kind of t- like it's not elton john can do kids music right sting it's a 
It's no, yeah, it's, it's a little weird. Sophisticated. It's weird to think because I, I, I had to remind somebody in the last two years, like, hey, no, Elton John never sings in The Lion King. He sings on the soundtrack. Yeah, and, and like, yeah. So like, maybe the songs could work. But you're right about Sting's music. Like, I just don't see like the synth from Fields of Gold going very well. right. Like, like rocking so... out on Radio Disney. R.I.P. By the way, shutting down this week. He's so self-serious mm-hmm. that it is really hard to, especially with what this movie became, which is like just straight a straight comedy. Mm-hmm. It's even more incongruous. Which, to which have again is is fine yeah. with me if you haven't heard me yell about that before. I was molded in the Disney Renaissance um, as a as a giant Disney fan, and then just that punch of like Little Mermaid. I'll include Rescuers Down Under, Beauty and the Beast, and then Aladdin was like this gorgeous crescendo that I love because Aladdin was 20% focused on being funny. And that was always my favorite mm-hmm. thing about most Disney cartoons. Mm-hmm. And to see Hunchback and Pocahontas uh, just like revert to like drama and musical, it, not the musical numbers aren't a problem. I love funny musical numbers. Uh, Lion King has them, but the other, those other movies do not. And I hated it. I hated them. Mm. And well, I think Hunchback has a funny musical number and it needs to go. Yeah. The rest of the movie is so serious. When there is a funny musical number, you're like, oh, God, stop. Yeah. What What are you doing? Hunchback no, Jason Alexander. No. Dark. So dark. And the yeah. Pocahontas is just a funny musical number in that it was made by Disney during my lifetime. If you want to feel very old, <laughs> you really made a musical version of out of Pocahontas. What a terrible idea. And I'm sure there's people out there who like it, but Colors of the Wind is pretty good. Just around the riverbed is great. No, I look. I'm a big fan of Blue Corn Moons. Let's let's never. <laughs> of course, I'll of never course, that we aside. all are. It goes without saying. Uh, but but uh, what a terrible idea to whitewash all of history in the name of a Disney musical. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, um, terrible that idea. Kind of goes with the territory. I know, I know, but it didn't. There's it didn't, a lot of shit that's. It didn't know. Aladdin's not history. It's a fable. And this isn't history. And, and, okay, that's yeah. And, and neither is 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 Emperor's New Groove. It's a fable, and it's it's a pretty that fun one. And yeah, man, I, I can't think of anything right. The, the movies after this, Disney wise and before it, like are kind of like for one kind of demographic. Whereas like this, just focusing on the funny, I think helped it be remembered a little better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People want to watch yeah. a comedy more than they want to watch a series. Like everyone die, no one get the girl <laughs> hunchback. So. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is this is much more fun and, and great voice casting. If no one gives them credit, like John Goodman, Mwah. oh yeah, uh, can't move around that much, but like great vocal uh, range on John Goodman. Mm-hmm. A great performance here. Anyway, Emperor's New Groove. Uh, speaking of problematic nonsense with Mel Gibson in it. <laughs> That's a Pocahontas yeah, reference. Yeah, I looked into Emperor's New Groove thinking it was going to be an animated apocalypto, and I was really disappointed. <laughs> Not uh, enough spearing through people's guts. There's something about just this movie poster that has made me laugh for the last two decades it's because of what so Mel Gibson bad. became. <laughs> that it's just his smiling face, what women want, to be told they're owed a... They owe a blowjob to this guy in a jacuzzi. Mm. Um, I like being told I deserve to be raped by a gang of N-words. Yeah. Mel, baby. That's what I want. Just watched him in Fat Man. Um, Oh, Oh, Bette Midler. I forgot about that. Ashley Johnson, um, Lauren Holly, Alan Alda, 
Marissa Tomei, Helen Hunt, and Mel Gibson in What Women Want. I hear what women think. Is Britney Spears on Leno tonight? <gasps> on December 15th, Nick Marshall knows what every woman wants. Nice buns. Mel Gibson, <laughs> Helen Hunt. Don't fall for a guy at work. Don't fall for a guy at work. Why? Why what? What women want. Oh, God, I just looked at his crotch. <laughs> oh, I just looked at it again. Wait, <laughs> uh, please tell me one of you rewatch this because I wasn't going to. I had to watch no, this. No. I had to watch this movie for a laser time episode we did this year called Just Add Lightning. Whereas before we knew a lot about science, <laughs> right. lightning could solve anything and give people magical powers. I forgot that's how Mel Gibson got his magical powers of hearing women's thoughts in this yeah. in this movie while trying on Lady Beauty Cream combined with electrocution. He can hear women's thoughts. Right. Yeah. And, I did not revisit this. I, I wrote a paper on this for my philosophy of feminism class my oh freshman goodness. year of college. And after that, I think I'm good. I don't think I need to. <laughs> I'm uh, sure it was complimentary. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it it's directed by a woman. It's oh. so I guess it's feminist. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Say no, Nancy Myers. Why? This is a Nancy yeah. Myers joint. This is a Nancy Myers joint. What? I don't know if there were any amazing kitchens in it. I missed them, but ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's a fun idea, and the i the idea that like you know this guy's a sexist pig, and then he uses this ability to like climb climb the corporate ladder a little bit and but just fucking over women left and right like he steals helen hunt's good idea and what's so weird is that like the women are all thinking such stereotypical like Uh, 50s kinds of things (laughs) about like faking a headache so you don't have sex you don't have to have sex with your husband kind of thing i got a souffle in the oven i I don't what the fuck (laughs) Is this the year 2000? Seriously. Uh, yeah. Seriously. This movie could have been made in 1954 with Rock Hudson, and it would be exactly the same. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's real bad. And I mean, we couldn't even, we don't have enough time to even get into the issues regarding consent mm-hmm. with this movie and <laughs> the implications of that. But yeah, I mean, women can be perpetrators of the male gaze as well it happens and it's no Gross. good all right this movie sucks i hate it yeah no <laughs> yeah. it's it sucks it's not especially funny it's uh and it's pretty gross and it, and do, it does I, very well for a while <laughs> it does very well for a while i haven't watched what men want from like a year or two ago the, yeah. the remake uh yeah i i read a synopsis it's like okay mm. this sounds a little less problematic and i'd love taraji just in everything so mm-hmm. okay. Um, I would probably rather watch this. Even like getting over the Mel Gibson has said done bad things mm-hmm. angle, it's sort of no, it makes me feel like gross and weird. Yeah. And I didn't like it. And it's yep. just, just oh. the joke being at this point, most women know that they don't want Mel Gibson <laughs> mm. anymore. And I the girl I was dating at this time very much did. And I had to watch this movie a lot. Yeah. Well, like that's that, see, that's a direction this could have gone that would be fun is because he's like such a sexist pig that he starts to find out that like, oh, all the women he thought liked him think he is a sexist pig because he is a sexist pig. Mm. It's yeah. like, well, maybe let's go with that instead of like, I'm going to use this power to fuck over all the women because they're just <laughs> dumb broads. Don't want to see, but holy shit, what a great. No, no, it is. It's like. 
I think it might be the worst movie out of all of these that we're talking about. And we just talked about Dude, Where's My Car? Wow. Yeah, that's fair. Recommended after Dude, Where's My Car? What Women Want. Number yes. one at the box office this yes. week. Moving into television, uh, December 11th to the 17th. In 2000, uh, this is the week that Charlie Brown, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, Garf- uh, Garfield Christmas, and It's a Wonderful Life get their annual airings. And a bunch of shows end. The only one I care about right now is Mickey Mouse Works, Disney's two-season experiment where they return to the format of short-form animation, where Donald Duck hey. got to be a jerk and Mickey got to complain about his washing machine blowing up or whatever the fuck Mickey does. Um, it is also the first Disney TV production produced in widescreen. That's in 2000. How about that shit? And but we also get a ton of Christmas episodes of our favorite shows. Um, this oh, this always feels like it happens at the beginning of December. We don't usually get a lot of Christmas episodes like this late in December. But Frasier has an episode, "Merry Christmas," uh, and then Friends has the one with the holiday armadillo, which I don't know anything about and haven't talked to Sarah about at all. But if you can set this up better than I can, I just yeah. know it's Ross in an armadillo suit. <laughs> so yeah, Ross uh, has his kid for Christmas, and he wants to. He wanted to dress up for as Santa Claus, but could not find a Santa Claus outfit anywhere, and so all that was left at the costume shop was an armadillo. So the conceit <laughs> is that he has to dress dress up as the holiday armadillo. I feel like there's also a part in there about wanting to teach about what Hanukkah is as well. But I can't remember exactly say, how that goes. You, you trying to tell me that the Gel... I thought the Gellers were Jewish. They are. They are. So I'm trying to remember how that fits in. It's been a while since I've seen this episode. But And then Chandler shows up in a Santa Claus costume to save the day. And it oh, really is upsetting oh. to Ross. Chandler, you're the best. <laughs> um, uh, the terribly titled King of the Hill episode, Twas the Nut Before Christmas, Ooh. Uh, oh, dear. is out. But it's, uh, it's about... <laughs> I love the character of Bill Dautry, <laughs> and uh, mm. I think in previous episodes he's suffered pretty debilitating depressive cycles around the holidays, but then does what I do and sets up an elaborate festive holiday tableau in front of their house and becomes a favorite in the neighborhood. Starts meeting people and making friends through presenting a little Santa village and playing the part of Santa. He also attracts a naughty teenager who ends up uh, stealing money from Bill and buying booze. And this is the episode where Bobby gets drunk. (laughs) Bobby? Hey, Dad! I like beer! (laughs) 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 What? Oh, oh Bobby. Oh, Bobby. And um, also on The Simpsons, the same night uh, is Skinner's Sense of Snow, a... Unforgettable <laughs> reference to smell a sense of smell. Uh, it, it's 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 based on I think the um, uh, writer Tim Long's own anecdote of being snowed in at his school with his faculty and having to have food like brought to him with through emergency sources. But the uh, the kids of Springfield are snowed in with Principal Skinner and eventually end up trapping him inside of a dodgeball bag. <laughs> and there's a lot of Deer Hunter references, Sarah. You'd like it a lot. Um, the, the, the joke that stands out to me the most is like the weirdest, uh, the, the edgiest joke the Simpson has ever really did at that, till that point. Nibbles, the hamster, uh, ends up saving everyone, uh, the school hamster. But then, uh, at the very end, Skinner is still left inside the dodgeball sack. You did it, Nibble. Now, chew through my ball sack. And the hamster leaves. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like the, mo- the naughtiest word I'd ever heard of The Simpsons up to that point, which was 
the first place I heard several naughty words uh, 10 years ago. Hmm. And, and hey, um, That was naughty. And rerunning this week uh, is the, on the West Wing on the 13th is uh, Noel. Well, this was actually, I think, I saw a couple places where it was a rerun, and I also saw where this was the first run. I don't remember talking about it, so I want to hear about it. Especially yeah, because, because this is leaving Netflix soon, so if you didn't see it, Noel. Right, mm-hmm. right. So this is my favorite Christmas episode of anything. Um, oh. It's really it's really sad it's really depressing and it's basically the story of josh um who had gotten shot in the first episode during an assassination attempt and you know he's back at work and everything and this episode is him dealing with the post-traumatic stress of having been shot and it shows him it's framed by him speaking with a trauma a psychologist, a trauma therapist to try to help him like work through what he's going through. And it it's a flashback of the previous week showing how his post-traumatic stress came out throughout the week in the workplace and to the point where people started to get really worried about him. And the whole, it's all framed by that he was triggered because there are various carol singers and bagpipers and people coming through the lobby at the White House that are like, there with the holiday cheer but that is actually a trigger for him they find out because it's it reminds him of the sirens but it's a beautiful beautiful episode a really beautiful exploration of of trauma and what it looks like and how it can manifest because he's not just like running around crazy or crying or like in the shower you know he's acting normal and then lashing out here and there and it's just a really beautiful discussion framed by the holiday tableau in the white house and everything else that's going on and to me i really love it because i do think that it it kind of emphasizes that the holidays are not always great for everyone and the holidays can be very triggering for some people or can be very sad or scary or anxious times for people and it's kind of looks a little bit into that it's just a beautiful Hmm. episode and adam arkin plays the uh the therapist and he does just a great job as always. Yep. He's just son of Alan Arkin, who was in Edward Scissorhands. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It all comes together, baby. I uh-huh. I didn't even get to mention how much I love Alan Arkin's for understated performance. That's really good, Edward. <laughs> that's really good. That's the, that's the extent of his emotion. Great episode of West Wing, and then SNL is hosted by Lucy Liu with musical guest Jay Z, uh, Jason Z. It's Christmas. We're gonna call him by his full name. I know that's not his full name. I do not remember a sketch from that, but let's move on real quick to the games of 2000. I meant to look into this: Batman Beyond, Return of the Jokers on Nintendo 64. And if we haven't said that on this show a long time ago, Brett and I tried to make the decision to talk about. When uh, we talk about games when they come out, when we experience them, not when Japan did. And at this point, there could be up to two years of a difference there. But Mm -hmm. Pokemon Crystal and Dark Cloud are out in Japan, but we wouldn't experience them for months and months and months on end. Yep. Could I I also say, mm -hmm. Batman Return of the Joker, the movie, was direct to DVD. And I wanted to put it in here because I've watched it and it is really, really disturbing at times. It is. Yeah dark and it is really good but i've never been able to nail down when it was it might have come out at halloween or it might be coming out at christmas so i might just like throw it in so we can talk about it next week or something yeah i would love to watch it because i have no idea how this is batman beyond i've never watched batman 
I've never watched Batman Beyond, but I I saw a clip of it, and I was I I saw a clip of Return of the Joker, and I was like, what the fuck? So I had to look up the whole thing, and I was like, wow, does it get dark? That's so weird because I just talked your husband out of buying a Batman Beyond box set. It's <laughs> like, dude, Batman Beyond box set is thirty bucks. I'm like, so the first time in twenty years you want to watch Batman Beyond is because it's cheap. It's like. Oh, mm. yeah, you're right. Fuck this. <laughs> like, I, I didn't mean to tell you not to buy it, but like, I'm curious too. Anyway, sorry, but let's we can close out with something from uh, Emperor's New Groove. What do you th- What are you guys thinking? Well, we got two options. Uh, my funny friend and me pulled an Oscar nomination, mm-hmm. and Sting actually singing it. The, move, the song that's actually in the movie is uh, "A Perfect World," which is sort of the big introductory song. Mm-hmm. Which Sting thought like, "Oh, I shouldn't sing this. You should get someone sort of young and hip to sing it." And instead, they went and got Tom Jones. And he's, <laughs> he's perfect for it, though, because he's, you know, good. big and brassy in Las Vegas, baby. And he's, like, in the movie, so. right? And, and goddamn, I say perfect world, but Tom Jones. Sounds good. And, and yeah. It worked in Edward Scissorhands for all the ladies. That's true. There's a bunch of uh, Tom Jones and Edward Scissorhands. Right, and I, I love that because eventually Tim Burton would just cast Tom Jones as himself as a hero and ladies' man in Mars Attacks. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's close out with Perfect World. But hey, the show's not over yet. He's the song a lot of the nation. He's the hippest captain creation. He's the alpha, the omega, A to Z. And this perfect world will spin around his every little whim. Cause this perfect world begins and ends with what's his name? internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic we're gonna go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of december 11th through 17th uh, yeah a couple of recommends uh since we're talking about christmas movies i'll talk about christmas in a second but first let's start with it's the 50th anniversary of they call me trinity or lo Vano trinita uh starring terrence hill and bud spencer i'm a big fan of spaghetti westerns and for some reason i slept on this one for a while it is a spaghetti western comedy and it is funny and weird as hell. Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer are Italian dudes, and those are just their names that they work under. You recognize the theme song right away from They Call Me Trinity, or sometimes called Trinity is My Name, because it pops up at the end of uh, Django Unchained. And also Terrence Hill made some movies where he was Django, but he's not the original Django. Uh, yeah, anyway, if you like goofy westerns, <laughs> you're you're hard-pressed to find a, a goofier one where it's like, it's a straight-up western, but it's also really silly and it's about them, like, defending a, a bunch of Mormons, and then they decide, like, hey, Mormons are cool because we get a bunch of chicks. And it's, oh my gosh, it's it's really, they're a lot of fun. There's also a, a sequel, I think it's called, like, Trinity is Still My Name. And it's almost as good. So They Call Me Trinity is 50 years old, and I gotta recommend it. And since we're talking about Christmas movies and what counts as a Christmas movie, I am so sick of seeing this argument, so I've devised a test. If you change the, the timing of the movie to take place at 4th of July... Does that change the nature of the movie? There you go. And that's how you figure out if something is a Christmas movie. And so let me give you a list of things that are Christmas movies. And you can stop arguing. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. The Apartment, Batman Returns, Edward Scissorhands, Eyes Wide Shut, Gremlins, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, L.A. Confidential, Christmas movie, Lethal Weapon, Long Kiss Goodnight, The Ref, The Thin Man, and Trading Places. These are all Christmas movies. The one I want to recommend, and this is only because we just talked about The West Wing, the movie that it turns out 
is President Jeb Bartlett's favorite movie. This is canon. They talk about it in an episode. 1968's The Lion in Winter, which is a Christmas movie. It's about a family getting together at Christmas and fighting. Shall we hang the holly or each other, they say. So, I've recommended this before, like a couple years ago when it when it hit 50. Uh, it stars Catherine Hepburn, who's amazing, and Peter O'Toole, who's amazing, and Anthony Hopkins, and little baby Timothy Dalton. And it takes place in 1183, and that sounds like it's really boring, but it's not. So when I was wa- re-watching The West Wing, and this came up as like, oh, this is Jeb Bartlett's favorite movie. They never say it by name, but they describe a scene in it. And that's how I knew, like, oh, shit, it's Lion in Winter. And then I realized, oh, shit, I think I just figured out all of Aaron Sorkin. I think this is Aaron Sorkin's favorite movie because it's real Aaron Sorkin-y. There's a lot of walking and talking, incredibly fast, incredibly clever dialogue that, like, you wish people really spoke this way, but they don't because it's just too fucking smart. Anyway, uh, The Lion in Winter, even though that sounds like the most boring movie about... A king trying to decide who's going to get the kingdom. It is really funny. It's real fun, smart, great performances all around. And uh, yeah, I've decided it's a Christmas movie. I have spoken. That's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in 2010 with uh, Razor Glass. Welcome to the year 2010. Uh, we're talking about the week of December 11th to the 17th. Let's see what's out. Starting with the music, uh, Pink, obviously. We also have Last Train to Paris by uh, Diddy Dirty Money, uh, Love Letter by R. Kelly, and uh, No Boys Allowed by Carrie Hinson. Um, you tell him, Carrie. Yeah. That <laughs> probably could have been the same name of R. Kelly's album. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is... Uh, this gets to be some sad news. I don't know. Dexter's, Dexter co-stars Michael C. Hall and Jennifer Carpenter divorce after two years. What, like, what a disastrous thing to happen on a set of a show. Because uh, Michael C. Hall was married to someone else before he started starring with someone playing his sister. And they got together and then divorce. And then the show murders her. Um, and I'm... Did she sue or didn't she? I cannot remember. I also don't during- know, but she doesn't die right away it's not no. like they wrote her off the show immediately but it, I, I thought it was they could not be around one another therefore in scenes together uh, kind of situation. Mm. i think also during that period didn't she get him through cancer yeah 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 something like that cool <laughs> it's it sounds like it it sounds like there should be a movie about the behind the scenes of dexter and especially how much <laughs> they got it to suck around this point uh, oh so bad I mean, how far it fell from surprise, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a decent barometer. When Dokes dies, um, you have John Lithgow carrying a season as a rival serial killer. And then after that, it's just fucking awful. But uh, man, that reboot sure is going to fix everything. There are worse things in the world than Dexter uh, as we get into the movies of 2010. (laughs) Let's start with uh, Nate Cordry, Andrew Andrew Daly, TJ Miller, uh, Anna Faris, Tom Cavanaugh, Justin Timberlake, and Dan Aykroyd. The last time I remember being the main built person of film. Yogi Bear movie. In Jellystone Park, Yogi and Boo Boo. Full speed ahead, Boo Boo. Take the cake. And the pie. And the soda. 
and the picnic basket. It's not for stealing picnic baskets. It says basket never 2000. I do regret calling it that now. On December 17th, Turtle! grab a taste of 3D fun. It's got a little of everything, and I jump over poo at the end. No, you don't. I want to try it. I don't care. Dirty Bear, rated PG. Wow, this movie fucking. S- <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I'm. I am overqualified to talk about the movie Yogi Bear. Growing up watching Yogi Bear. That's part of the thing I, I've hated about it and expressed. And I think I got people on my side. Dan, everybody can do an impression of Yogi Bear. Hey, boo boo. Except for Dan Aykroyd. Um, it, it's not a very good impression of Yogi Bear, which is an impression of Art Carney. But yeah. Justin Timberlake's boo boo deserves some kind of award because it doesn't sound like him at all. Boo boo is much harder. Yeah, gee, Yogi. It's much harder to do, and he does it a, an immaculate boo boo. So hats off to Justin Timberlake. And uh, everything else in it is great, especially T.J. Miller. It's uh, <laughs> uh, another one where it's like, I do I rewatch a good movie or do I give this a try? <laughs> no, do I'm qualified to talk about it. I'm unqualified to talk about it. I'm not going to bother. If nope, you, you like us, it. I don't want to. I assume people like us and didn't want us to sit through the Yogi Bear movie. The, the best thing to come out of this, if I don't know if you remember this, Diana. <laughs> You definitely do. You know exactly where I'm going. Wait. Well, no, there's two things. There was was the tagline. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. Who gets to say it? Can we draw straws? Um, What was the tagline, Diana? Good things come in bears. (laughs) (laughs) Great things come in bears. Oh, my God. Wonderful. Uh Wonderful. Nobody looked at that twice. What the fuck? Yeah, but no, I think I know where you're going with this. Are are you going into the the assassination of Yogi Bear by the coward Boo Boo Ford? Yes, yes, that somebody immaculately animated the ending of the assassination of Jesse James the coward Robert Ford with Yogi Bear and Boo Boo. This picture looks dusty. It's so good. I've watched it a thousand times. Um, I love that. I don't. Is that what it's called? I, assass- no, I'm just guessing. It's yeah, the assassination of Jesse James parody using these CG models. Very very funny. Moving on to to better movies, and this is yeah, definitely I, a better. I movie. got no time for this. I'm sure there's people who like it. It made money, whatever, and that's fine. You you like what you like. I think I mentioned that last week, confusing certain directors, and I confuse who has done what, because they made movies the same week this week. First off, we got Jack McGee, Melissa Leo, Amy Adams, Christian Bale, Mark Wahlberg, and The Fighter. I made a promise to them I wouldn't work with you again. You sticking to that? I don't know what else to say. What are you going to do? Turn your back on Dickie? You really think your family is looking out for you? I'm the one fighting, okay? Not you, not you, and not you. Why am I the problem? I'm his blood. I'm his family. Do me a favor. Don't even knock this for me anymore. He's using you. You can't beat me. This is my shot. I won't get another one after this. The Fighter, rated R, in theaters December 17th. I never got the hype behind this movie. It just didn't do anything for me. No. See, I I rewatched it Mm because I remember, well, I liked it, but it feels like, you know, it's a straightforward sort of biopic where it's like, oh... Uh, Mark Wahlberg is mm-hmm. uh, Irish Mickey Wad, and he's you know a boxer, and he's sort of like getting to the end Watch of his career, it. and it's like now this is going to be his big shot, and his half brother, played by Christian Bale, Dickie Eklund, uh, was uh, was a fighter and was a really good one, but now he's got a major crack addiction, and it's about him, like you know how is this pulling the family apart, mm-hmm. and rewatching it, I think I liked it even more this time though. Okay. Oh. I felt Some the same way because about the... the the wrestler. Yeah, I 
kind of keep mixing them up in my yes. mind. Like I was about to say, like, it's oh, Judah Freelander's in this. I was like, nope, that's the wrestler. <laughs> nope. No. Nope. nope. This is well, it's a very Boston movie. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got the accents going, which is pretty fun. I mean, it is pretty straightforward, biopicy kind of thing, you know, with this interesting family angle. What what ended up setting it apart was that I forgot the part of the conceit of it is the HBO is there filming Dickie Eklund and he keeps telling people, hey, they're here filming my comeback. I'm going to do a big comeback. And when they actually talk to the HBO guys, they're like, no, we're making a documentary about crack. Mm. And huh. that's true. Uh, it was an HBO documentary called High on Crack Street. I remember Lost this. Lives of Lowell. So I went looking for this documentary to compare it. Yeah. And unfortunately, I couldn't find it, but I found a long clip. And I now appreciate even more what an amazing job Christian Bale is doing. Uh, once because again, I, where not... he, he lost a shitload of weight or something like that? Yeah, obviously, he lost a shitload of weight. He looks really gaunt and really strung out. But he's he's the kind of personality that you can recognize as being... Like he's he's totally the class clown. He's very perpetually like mm-hmm. talking himself up, but also making a lot of jokes. And he like can never sit still. He's always moving. And watching clips of the actual guy and going like, oh, he wasn't overdoing it or anything. <laughs> like holy mm. shit, he captures this guy. But also, if you haven't seen the real Dickie Eklund, you understand like, oh yeah, I I know this guy, and this guy is trouble. And mm. they got their mom who's constantly making excuses, who keeps saying, but we're family. Mm-hmm. You can't just throw him away. And it's like, you can because he's a crack addict and he's going to drag the rest of us down. He, you know, he needs to get help. And, and the 11,000 yeah, 11, Mel- sisters. <laughs> yeah. The, and this is scene. Okay, this is super underrated as a comedy. There is a hysterically yeah. funny scene in this where, yeah, Melissa Leo and, and the seven sisters, one of whom is... Uh, very clearly Conan O'Brien's, Conan O'Brien's sister. Clear, it, yeah, like you spot her right away. It like, looks like Lady Conan. Conan O'Brien in a wig. <laughs> <laughs> they, they all have big hair and they always smoke. And it's like, no, Mickey, you can't do that to Dickie. What are you doing? She's He's seeing the skink. Uh, you've always and, been a uh, fucking uh, Boston slur for something. Yeah. <laughs> hanging out with that skink, Amy Adams. And she's, she's talking to her. She's telling him what to do. I don't know what the hell accent that was. That went very New York. Anyway. uh, Yeah. They all like pile into someone's cutlass and drive over there and like all fight Amy Adams at the same time. (laughs) And there's Uh, something really funny. Like someone called the cops. Now get out of here. I I want to say, I want to say Heidi Gardner's SNL weekend update character who was bitching about her iPhone, but everything ends with a punchline and I'm taking the kids and I'm going to go say with my sisters. Oh my God, it yes. comes from this film. <laughs> yes, yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, so just th- th- there's this constant Greek chorus of these identical-looking <laughs> Irish women, all with really big hair, and yeah, just that they're always in the shot. It's just they crack me up. But I mean, and it's interesting of like what is low-level boxing like? Like, there's this a scene where he's got to go fight this guy and like they come out of the elevators and they're like standing right next to each other like oh hi this is awkward uh i guess we have to go across the street to fight okay yeah so i mean what melissa leo got an oscar christian bale got an oscar and it's it's not just that like he lost a lot of weight it's like this is a really recognizable kind of guy who Mm -hmm. is just in this he's so enabled by the people around him and he's just Mm -hmm. in such denial he thinks he's got everybody fooled but it's like we know you are on crack right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like we know 
but we're all into it. And he just he thinks he can get away with everything because he does until finally he doesn't. And he starts to pull his shit together and then they, they train together in Brotherhood, man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, it was I I don't know why I thought it was more, I don't know, by the numbers than I remember. I remembered it as being good, but by the numbers. And, and I enjoyed it a lot more. Honestly, okay. the second time around, it's it's totally worth I the mean, watch. That, that's how Especially it was if you the, like Baxin. For, for the wrestler, it's just I thought these movies were too close together, and mm-hmm. the opening. It's song, a lot lighter than the wrestler. Yeah, I love I love the wrestler. Um, okay, and I've only seen yeah, half don't... half the next movie. Never finished oh. it. And uh, the Winona Ryder bookending our show. Um, yeah, Barbara Hershey, Vincent Cassell, Mila Kunis, Natalie Patman. Um, Black Swan. Don't know why I'm using that accent. I will say, after you watch the fighter, especially having just watched The Town a couple mm-hmm. months ago, I was thinking with the Boston accent for like the rest <laughs> of the day. And I, I'm not I, from Boston. I constantly confuse who made which movie, David O. Russell or Darren Aronofsky. I, I guess, I'm guessing solely because of when these two movies came out. Mm. Um, mm. But they're about hard uh, the hard lives of athletes. How about that? Yes. Um, yeah. Black Swan, baby. Our new Swan Queen, the exquisite Nina Sayers. Black Swan, the movie everyone is talking about. Hey, you know where I live? At my way. Is in theaters everywhere tomorrow. She's after me. But he's after you. And now it's nominated for four Golden Globes, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Actress Natalie Portman. How about I dance the Black Swan for you? It's my time. Don't miss... Black Swan, rated R, everywhere. Oh, I love this movie. It's Another one. It so... got better on a rewatch. Okay, so I watch it every, at least once a year, probably. I just oh, love it. I It's re- super intense, but man, it's so good. It's just a great horror film, and yeah. it's specifically a great body horror film. Okay. Yes. It is body horror done so beautifully so stylishly it's a thriller for sure and it's a great dance film like Natalie Portman is doing it for sure like Mm -hmm. she trained for a whole year at her own expense before she even started filming this she ended up actually marrying the choreographer who she trained with and it's just such a great depiction also of that whole dance world it is not pretty it's, it's really <laughs> really really rough there and vincent castle plays like the director of the company and he's just like this disgusting sleaze who is like used his position to take advantage of the women in his dance company which is true to life because there just recently was a huge like sexual harassment scandal that just came out of the american ballet theater but it's so like there are several different like facets of this that were so interesting. And to me, like one of my favorite things that they examine is the relationship between Nellie Portman and her mother, Barbara Hershey, because they set it up very well without doing a bunch of exposition through like explaining that obviously her mother was a failed dancer, wanted that for herself and didn't get it for whatever reason. And so, you know, that she's made her daughter's dance career her entire life and their relationship. I mean, Natalie Portman is probably supposed to be in her like early 20s, probably in this Mm -hmm. case. And she acts like she's seven years old with her mom. Yeah. And she's completely infantilized. She still has the little girl room with all the little girl toys and her Mm -hmm. mom still treats her like she's, yeah, like 10. Mm hmm. 
And she's like, her mom is like brushing her hair for her and cutting her fingernails and stuff. And I thought that that was a really interesting aspect of it because dancers are also required to keep a prepubescent body type. And I do think that that arrests them. It can arrest people emotionally as well. If you are basically forced to keep your body in a state where you're so thin, you know, no breasts, no butt, like you know, probably not menstruating because it's such a low body fat. Like that is a childlike body in a lot of ways. And and I think that probably in this case, I was seeing a connection of like that fitting in with her childlike relationship with her mother. Hmm. So I thought that was really, you you didn't say this. Did you say this again? Like Sarah, you have like a a history with the dance. Yes. And, uh, but in your fan, I've had to have you explain dance to me before on <laughs> certain occasions. Yeah, I mean, I grew up dancing, I doing ballet uh, and point throughout up until a little bit past high school. So yeah, I mean, I was on never like you know to the level that is portrayed in this movie. Or She's anything, never but... gonna dance again. <laughs> but... <laughs> It was it, it was still pretty cutthroat even in my little like dance company in the hometown that I grew up and I thought it was really interesting too that you know there are the horror parts of the movie you know there's so many times where she thinks she sees herself like in the reflection of a, a subway car or like walking down the street she kind of catches a glimpse of someone and you kind of start to think that she's losing it but it also makes perfect sense because she spends the majority of her day having to look in a mirror having Mm. to look at her own body and her own face in a mirror and so when you feel like maybe a psychosis is setting in with her and she's starting to lose it it makes sense part of that psychosis would be seeing herself everywhere she goes because most of the day she has to look in a mirror anyways so it's like another cool like layer that you know is put yeah. into it yeah I, I it's so weird that i remembered the psychological horror part of this but i did not remember so much of the body horror which is uh, as someone who who admittedly bites and picks at her nails so i have mm-hmm. to keep them cut really short so i don't do that that was oh god <laughs> it disturbed me so so much anytime there's like a hangnail and she pulls on it and it goes really far and oh, oh it's I simple know. little things like that yeah. that were just uh, and yeah, just the the constant feeling of just nervousness of I'm not. I mean, she's a really unreliable narrator. It's like, are we seeing what she's seeing? Are we seeing reality? Is Mila Kunis even real? <laughs> or I mean, it's like sometimes. Well, wait, no, that guy was talking to her. I guess she's really there. Yeah, this borrows a lot. I was going to throw these in classic corner, but I'll throw these out now. Uh, unfortunately, speaking of problematic, two Roman Polanski movies. Mm. I know, terrible person, amazing filmmaker, so steal them so he doesn't get any money. Mm. But uh, Repulsion and The Tenant, this borrows from a lot. And Aronofsky has yeah. said, like, yeah, th- those really inspire me. Of uh, Repulsion is pretty much just Catherine Deneuve is stuck in her apartment and starts slowly losing it and you're never really sure what is real and what is not it's like is that guy she thinks is trying to break in and rape her but does he is he even there or is she just imagining this about someone else and like the tenant is a lot like this and that it's kind of about duality like everyone seems to be trying to turn me into this other person am i crazy or are they all crazy how is that possible that would be a hell of a triple feature man oh intense Yeah, Black Swan was, yeah, even better the second time around. Natalie Portman, I mean, besides the dancing, which I mean, there was some controversy because a, a dancer said, like, I did a lot more of the dancing and they digitally put her face on me. 
Mm. And so watching it with an eye is realizing a lot of the time she shot like waist up because <laughs> it's easier to just dance, to just half dance. But also I got to give her so much credit because the, so much of the point of her character is she dances perfectly, but without passion. Mm-hmm. And you totally can see that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you can do that as someone who is not a professional dancer to be like, oh, she's dancing really well, but I can tell it's robotic. Yeah. Somehow. It's well, oh, and that really so fucking good just shows like a trap that a lot of women are get put into even outside the context of ballet. But you really see it here where it's like, oh, you need to let go. You need to be more relaxed, but you also have to be perfect. So just make sure you're perfect, <laughs> but then also look super cool and relaxed and like right. have a good time. But also make sure you do not fuck up ever, 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 because yeah. otherwise someone will take your place immediately. And it's just like this trap that she is in and it's like driving her crazy. And that's kind of a trap that a lot of women get put in in everyday life all the time. (laughs) And yeah, props to Mila Kunis for being able to do the exact opposite of she dances with passion, but you can tell it's like not as good, Mm -hmm. but she's feeling it more like, yeah, they're both really good in this. And if you want to, Chris, I'll bring you back into the conversation. Hmm. Hot Jewish girl on girl action. Oh goodness! True, <laughs> true, true, true. So I saw we, oh. I saw this movie with my sister and my parents in San Francisco Woo. in a packed theater, and it was I mean it was so good. But when that scene started, hope my sister and I could not stop laughing and giggling. And at one point, my mom turned to me and was like, "You are embarrassing us." <laughs> 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 and that kind of goes i mean for many years as a family we have gone to see a movie in a movie theater on christmas and it's usually like probably accidentally the most disturbing movie you can pick in that weekend like we did Django, we did girl with the dragon tattoo we did this oh, one like you just can't help it apparently it just no, I, I, we did a show about that that uh, the last 10 christmases the, the the movie that comes out on December twenty fifth is counter programming to the holiday of Christmas. Like uh, the mm. Grinch that stole Christmas comes out on October twenty eighth, and the yeah. movie that comes out on Christmas Day is Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and honestly, yeah, I didn't even think of this until I was you know watching it again and realizing we've talked about this many times of what makes something NC seventeen, mm-hmm. and someone going down on a woman seems to just oh. that's it. <clears throat> this gets pretty. <clears throat> this this is pretty. <laughs> graphic it's pretty it pretty suggestive and they they didn't pull the nc-17 i was pleasantly surprised like oh are we being adults suddenly in 2010? they had to use yeah. a lot of cg sure i mean mila kunis and uh dally portman were already friends before this movie started so i imagine it probably wasn't a huge stretch for them right probably hopefully been a, or maybe that's just the fan fiction probably been movie. in a couple threesomes with a dude where's my car guy um, <laughs> that would make it worse for me if it was like my friend. I'm like, okay, uh, now you're gonna put your face in my junk, and <laughs> I'm gonna be like, oh yeah. At least you probably oh. knew where that junk's been. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the, the passenger seat of your car. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is my recommend of the oh, night, shit. even though it's I've loved so many movies that we've talked about already uh, with mermaids being a close second, but just flex on. It's just such a per what almost a perfect movie to me. And it's so ambiguous and it never clears itself up ever, which I is another thing that I love about it. Like Mm. 
there is a yeah. mystery of whether or not Mila Kunis's character is real or not. And it doesn't do that thing where it's like all of a sudden at the end, it shows you all the scenes where it's just Natalie Portman by herself. I right. love that it, it's it's still really ambiguous. Does she even die? Like, does she not die? Who's dead? Nobody, it's none mm-hmm. of it is cleared up at all. And it is. Yeah. So yeah. Bad. First I was like, is Mila Kunis real? And then it was, is Mila Kunis trying to drive her insane? Yes. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. There is no montage of here's what really happened. It's like you put it together yourself or not. Eh. And it's so beautiful too. Like, so throughout the movie, and it, this is better on a second watch because you can really like look at all the details. You know, she is dancing the title role of, of in Swan Lake, which by the way, I also love the music of Swan Lake so much. And of course it's throughout the entire movie. And then she is, and so she has to transform like into a swan. And throughout the entire movie, you start to see like her skin starts to kind of change in a way that looks like she has like, she's starting to grow feathers. She's starting to molt feathers. And it's like very, very subtle, but it's, it gets more and more. And then the last scene where she's doing the dance and she does like sprout the wings is so gorgeous like it's just breathtaking i i love it so much yeah i'm i'm so glad i went back and revisited this and and yeah the fighter to a slightly lesser extent like it was it wasn't as cookie cutter as i thought as i remembered it being but yeah black swan was the one that was like oh yeah in another 20 years i can go back and watch this and be like fuck yeah Mm. it was good even if you don't like ballet which is fine is this where i have to talk about tron legacy now i was page last night Paige came from your dad's office at the arcade. That number's been disconnected for 20 years. Where am I? Your father was the creator of this world. He never thought he'd see you again. Sam, I tried to get back. Tron Legacy, which I, I did rewatch a chunk of. It, that's, and I have that, thoughts. I always, always rewatch a, ch- a chunk of a Tron movie. Because to do the whole thing is insufferable. And, <laughs> and I, I say this, I'm a massive lover of Tron. There's so much to say about Tron, especially in relation to M- Emperor's New Groove. But my favorite thing to say about it, to bring it to bring in the conversation about Tron, I remember I bought it on Blu-ray, and I went downstairs and told my neighbor, who was Tyler Nagata, who's been on our shows before, and, and he, I'm like, dude, I got Tron Legacy on Blu-ray. He's like, uh, is it any good? And I just stand there like a... <laughs> It's awesome. Is it any, he's like, is it good? And like, just watch it. It's awesome. And, it, 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 and I, I hate saying that. I know I'm going to piss off Tron fans, but I'm I'm a, I'm with you. I'm among you. I'm a little young to have been on the original Tron hype train. But if you were a little geek who was obsessed with computers and Tron had great video games, so like the movie bombed in 1982, and uh, but there were two games, video games, made out of Tron that stood in arcades for the next decade. Uh, Tron had a legacy before Tron Legacy, despite not being very well loved, like uh, it being praised for its visual style. And that's, to me, it's it's my favorite thing in my life that it's just pure style over substance. There is, mm. and I don't know that for sure because like every time I watch it and read about it, like I've watched this movie dozens of times and the original and to a lesser extent, the second one. The story doesn't make much sense to me. Trying to humanize parts of a computer, I can't tell if it's incredibly stupid or too precise to be, (laughs) like, 
it might be seriously like <laughs> in, engineer people like this movie, but I think it's it's more the motif and how it looks. It, it it is it's awesome to look at, and Tron Legacy to its credit does something with CG which which is ubiquitous. Tron the original ushered in CG to the protest of Disney animators. We don't want this in our studio. Tron, the first Tron is an outsider movie that Disney brought into the fold, and every animator was against this happening. Fuck this bullshit, it will replace us. They were right, but also like, no, you're just going to replace your tools with this. You'll you'll all still be animators. Um, I, I don't want to get too far off track because there's so much I, I have to say about Tron and about why I love like I love Tron Legacy, yet I think it's kind of a terrible film. <laughs> but oh, yeah. yeah, you're both nodding. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's no, no I, it, it, it's totally true. I remember <laughs> watching it and being like, well, I mean, a lot of this doesn't make any sense, but it's fun. And then I rewatch a big chunk of it last night. And it started out just like, oh, I'll just watch this one scene. I think that'll give me the flavor of it pretty well. And then I just kind of kept watching it because it's so transfixing visually and the sound. And even when, yeah, the plot is sometimes a little, well, it's mostly silly. And I don't understand the idea of computer programs having feelings because you're a program. Aren't you basically an Android? You do what your code tells you to do. I fight for the users, Diana. I, I just that's does my modern understanding of computers make is is that what makes us not make a lot of sense? I don't I don't get it. I, sometimes know. I want to call the Tron series dumb Matrix. It, it, <laughs> it, it, but but it it's yeah. it's cute. It has a fascinating backstory. And and what was great about Tron is the look in the world that it created. And then the movie bombed. But like. Everyone instantly knew, like for maybe even Diana remembers that when before Jurassic mm-hmm. Park, even when you use CG, people would use Tron as a shorthand for the entire medium of computer graphics mm-hmm. in in films. Yeah, and, and and the idea that like I watched this movie today and that it it does recreate something special and makes a very very special universe that I can I can see. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's the exact same thing as uh, the original Tron, which is like just sort of about like true dork gamer representation when there's no movie really bothering to do that. And I know we don't care about that now because it involves so many uh, straight white men. But <laughs> but it was like it was different, and that's why it's been held in the hearts of people forever. That's why Disney bothered to produce a sequel 28 years after the fact. After a movie that bombed, and I- yeah, that's that's the thing that, that is the really amazing thing is that. They got enough people at Disney on board to put up money to make a sequel to something that is, I mean, was both a failure and kind of a punchline of like, well, what the fuck was that? Except, except for the That's people who loved it. And like, in except that it has a sort of cult following. The video games stayed in arcades for 10 years. And here's what, uh, you know, especially you ladies of your age missed out on. The merchandise kept flowing for years. And like, and we're talking like high end boy merchandise, like fifty, sixty dollar kind of things. Merchandise kept flowing, and I brought it up in Emperor's New Groove. It's something I read about from someone in the studios that Disney, during the period of late nineties to mid two thousands, lost young boy. All of the char- the Pixar characters and Disney characters had sort of been relegated to preschoolers. They managed to do something with princesses that kept like young girls and teen girls and even older girls into Disney merchandise. But these movies are $300 million movies. They need to move merch, and they they couldn't figure out how to get young boys into the mix. The last uh, couple Disney movies before this is greenlit, like, remember, like, Atlantis and Treasure Island? 
trying to get mm, bo- no. like young boys on board and it didn't work and they were high profile yeah. failures and that result well, we talked we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago with tangled of how yes. tangled was retrofitted to make it more interesting to male audiences yes they did, they did a real good job yes and, and and the idea of buying marvel and star wars was like well now we don't have to think about it we instantly have young boy merchandise but that tron is greenlit in 2005 before they make any of those acquisitions so there's a lot riding on it but uh this movie is 40 percent dull 60 percent amazing with the greatest (laughs) score of almost any film i've ever seen oh yeah no this has some real high points and some real low points Mm -hmm. so let's let's talk high points um little bit wild's always fun yeah the only mm-hmm. cast member, score. the only cast member to not have to use context because their eyes are fucking enchanting. Um, everyone else had to use <laughs> uh, context. The the design of everything, the production design good. is fantastic. They really went whole hog on on the computer craziness. Mm-hmm. The Daft Punk score is that that's fucking genius yeah. to choose guys who pretend to be robots <laughs> to write your robot score. Yeah. Um, it's so cool that they got Bruce Boxleitner and Jeff Bridges back. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. Michael Sheen steals a scene uh, because that's what he do. Michael Sheen is a massive Tron fan. And despite his agent's request, I believe begged to be in this movie um, <laughs> to really undercut his paycheck. And Jeff Bridges yep. has, has been cool throughout this, this movie holds some record. I believe the lowest grossing studio sequel to, uh, movie to get a sequel or the longest mm-hmm. time in between a studio sequel, 28 years. And, and and there's yeah, literally nothing. There's nothing in between. Not with Jeff Bridges anyway. There's a there's a couple games that are that gets. Don't look up Tron 2.0, the PC game whose mainframe is called Tron Legacy. It just gets confusing because that's it, that that is confusing. So mm-hmm. it's cool that Jeff Bridges is back, and it turns out like the the plot is that yeah he got sucked into the game grid of Tron all these years ago, and now his son is here, and his son's trying to get sucked into, and then he's he's gonna bust him out. But their bad guy is young Jeff Bridges. Clue. Digitally de-aged Jeff Bridges. And, whew, yeah, uh, I was watching this on a, a pretty decent-sized screen, and... Um, I cannot... It would be it would be nice if I could say, oh, it looks like a video game cutscene guy. I cannot believe how bad it looks. The it's, Uncanny Valley is strong with that one. I cannot... I cannot... Because be- it looked... I was there. I, b- I believe this is the first movie to make three Comic-Cons in a row. Before the movie was Jesus. greenlit... They were testing footage that, like, still you can't see anywhere legitimately. They were showing test footage to Comic-Con people to gauge interest. I think some of the the game sequences is audio from Comic-Con that they recorded (laughs) the Comic-Con crowd screaming about wanting a new Tron when it was announced as Tron 2 with a 2 for the O, because that's always so cool. Um, yeah, I know. Everyone, everyone can front. It's basically Troon. Troon. <laughs> Troon. <laughs> <Tr-toon. laughs> Did you guys see Tratoon? Um, but yeah. Yeah, right after I watched Thrumbers. Uh, I totally. <laughs> I totally forgot where I was, I was going with that, but like, sorry, sorry. Uh, no, 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 it, it's not your fault. I'm just like half in the bag, and okay, uh, we're riffing. It's like biochemical jazz, jazz man. <laughs> One day I got in. I I still listen to the soundtrack. I've been going around looking at music synced Christmas lights, not knowing we were, we were going to talk about this. Like, I just want to sync my lights to the Tron Legacy soundtrack. It's such a fun, Mm. electronic, epic film score, like mixed into one. And like, I want to learn more about this. And like, too bad, because Daft Punk 
don't talk about shit. They, they, they're never going <laughs> to tell you about anything that they did. But it's, a, it's I think it's an amazing, it's an amazing watch. It is the opposite of a good movie. It is technically a bad movie, yeah. <laughs> but I can't hate it. Yeah. I, I, I can't hate it at all. I would like to watch it again soon on many substances. It, but, <laughs> but, but I, I, Maybe I, that's the way. It's hard to recommend, but I, I do want to applaud Tron Legacy for like, it does still look cool. Other than the facial, the de aging of Jeff Bridges and Clue is fucking embarrassing. And I was, yeah. but I'm sorry, I was saying I was at these cons. I was there. That shit looked, we were all convinced it looked crazy. And I know for a fact some of the trailer footage is a little different. Um, I'm not your father, but I'm very happy to see you. I watched that trailer so much. I know it's a different cut in the trailer than it is in the movie. It, it doesn't look good at all. It looks like a floating head on a per on a person's yeah. body the whole time. It looks and I'm saying this this is the company that has de-aged Michael Douglas and Robert Downey Jr. in like in uh Kurt Russell in immaculate ways. Like that shit looks much better. Really, really good. This doesn't fly at all, but I was alive ten years ago and bought it hook line sinker. And our our, <laughs> our resolution didn't improve that much. So I don't know what it is. I think maybe we just wanted to believe. Because it looks terrible. I don't know. Well, every now and then there'll just be a little moment where I was like, "There it is." Hey, I remember old Jeff Bridges. Hey, oh God, oh, it's oh moving no, again. oh no, 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 it's not. <laughs> it's not connected oh, to his neck right. appropriately. It's not moving in accordance oh. with its its body correctly. It really <laughs> is good. bad. It, it is like it is something you could see like Jimmy Kimmel do on one of his talk shows. Now it is not good. Yeah, it's one of his talk it's shows. Rough. Sound old as shit. Yeah, I'm done. I like I, but Tron Legacy it, it is forever cool. I appreciate that it exists. And the movie kids will like this. They're no, they're not. Here's the thing, Diana. It is not mm. worse than any Star Wars prequel. Not at all. No. Yeah, I'll go with that. Not at all. It is worth I, watching I for kids. Uh, it is totally fine. And again, the rumor is that as of August, like someone is writing a script for another Tron, and it also gives Tron Uprising, the um, uh, Disney XD show, which is very well regarded. Um, I have not watched it yet, but it is on Disney Plus, as is Tron Legacy. I don't know what else to say about it. I, I want to talk forever about Tron. Um, but, <laughs> oh, God, please don't. But I can't, yeah, it's just so weird just because I can't. It's objectively not a great film, and neither is the sequel. But the sequel is so no. in tune with the vibe of the original. To me, there's something amazing about that. Like that to capture the the, the visual spirit of that film, it's, it's, it's like so compelling to look at, especially when you put in just a little bit of weed or acid. It, it's yeah. it's so good. Yeah, honestly, that's it's kind of it's almost like uh, going to watch Laser Zeppelin at the Planetarium. Mm-hmm. It's like as close as you're gonna get. That's a perfect. Just example. yeah, like turning off the lights and don't, it's just it's like a like a sa- it's like a screensaver man just watch it like it's a really cool screensaver with really awesome music okay okay yeah it's a movie eh, but great to watch I've, I've watched it five times and there's like a point at the end where like my brain just shuts off like this is too dumb and doesn't make any sense and sets itself up, up for a sequel that never happens and it, it, it's all weird and dissatisfying but like I don't know. There's something about the world of Tron I want to see continue forever. Like we, my girl, I had, I, I told you that last time we, we took acid uh, to watch Fantasia. She didn't know what Tron was. She said it's one of the coolest things I've ever introduced her to. And then we go to Walgreens like this week. They have Tron One exclusive toys in Walgreens that they in their exclusive section. You can, yeah, an exclusive Sark. 
Tronny Sark. Do, 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 do. Tronny Sark. <laughs> you, can, you can buy him exclusively at Walgreens. Sarah is looking a little concerned for me. I'm going to move on into television. <laughs> You're making De Niro face at me. Um, <laughs> upside down smile. I don't like it. Uh, hey, look, you've gone longer on Tron Legacy than she went on Black Swan. It's did I really? Thing. I'm it's so true. sorry. Um, uh, 2010 television, uh, 11th to the 17th. Whew, SNL is hosted by Paul Rudd, musical guest Paul McCartney, whoever he is. Equally famous Paul. <laughs> I do. Um, I love Paul Rudd is so great. I mean, this is a pretty, I think, straightforward episode. There, nothing really jumped out at me as far as sketches go, mm-hmm. but I just always delight in seeing Paul Rudd on my screen. Yep. You know? Can't go wrong. Well, can't. And I can't believe this. Uh, we yeah. all made jokes about it. The last original Larry King live airs to be taken over by just the enchantress that is Pierce Morgan. Uh, that show yeah. would last for a long time. And we and many yep. people made Larry jokes. Larry King every night for 35 years. And we all That's made jokes. 35 years. We all made jokes. Larry King is probably about to die. He's a very, very old man. Meanwhile, after this, he has a child and hosts another show. <laughs> on a weekly basis and hasn't stopped and looks awful. <laughs> he looks, he He's looks, still with us? Yes. As of today? Yes. Okay. Yes. It still has a show on Hulu. Like right now. It, it's astonishing. Like I cannot believe Larry King retired for being too old to sit with bad posture and barely listen to a guest 10 years ago and does the exact well, same thing right now. It's those suspenders, you know, that causes the posture. That's like, you know, in the first season of TNG, they had to change the out of the they couldn't use the onesies anymore because it was giving everyone back problems. I know, it's I know, I said this with before. Those suspenders, they're shrinking him. Do yourself a favor <laughs> and and YouTube the uh, interview with Jerry Seinfeld from Larry King. So then your show was canceled. What? <laughs> canceled? <laughs> like I don't know. Was it not canceled? Larry, do you not read anything? <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? The show was, you thought our show was canceled? Did you prepare for this interview even slightly? I don't know what to say to you, Jerry. Like, it's, it's, it's so, it's Larry King. There wasn't a huge bar to be a journal, uh, on-screen journalist back in the day. Um, Video games of 2010. We have a brand new episode in the can that I have to fucking edit and treat with, with a video game apocalypse boys about the video games of the previous month. Super Mario All-Stars is re-released for the first time since like 1992 onto the Wii in 2010 and one of my favorites Welcome to Die X-Men Arcade uh, is released for download via PS360 that is the first time that game has been released and the last time that game has been released I hold on to my Xbox because it's still on there immaculate (laughs) arcade ports uh, with some minor voice acting changes nothing moves the nothing moves nothing moves the blob I love those games Thank you very much, everyone, for listening, especially our executive producers, such as Nick Creature and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. Many other shows on the network, including uh, Laser Time this week about comedic duos. Uh, We got a cool Meaning of Christmas episode coming up, so I encourage you guys to subscribe to that show. And uh, Video Game Apocalypse, our weekly video game show. Di, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at listenernerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010 podcast through 02010 podcast. Uh, this was the big one, definitely for mm. the Christmas season, uh, but we still have a couple more episodes left in the year where we do have some really good movies, such mm-hmm. as next week. I will tease two. We will find out whether it's a tumor. Chris, is it a tumor? It's not a tumor. And fill your hands, you son of a bitch. 
and, and with that out of the way, we're going to tell you who died and who lived. Who died? Who died? In 2010, that's when we lost Captain Beefheart, who's only 69. Nice. Nice. Uh, Captain Beefheart is experimental rock, I guess you call it. Yeah, like if you like Frank Zappa, uh, that sort of thing. is. He's, he's an interesting guy. Uh, and then we lost Blake Edwards, who's 88 who made some really bad movies and some incredible movies. <laughs> Never got to see Steve Martin's Pink Panther. Or maybe you did. Uh, no, you did. Okay. You did. All the Pink Panther movies, but also Dana, Days of Wine and Roses, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Victor Victoria. Yeah, prolific guy. And a lot of those are really fucking good. And then some are not as good. But mm-hmm. God, I love Victor Victoria. I really do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's that's who died. But you who lived? His- birthday! Birthday quiz! Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo, a ding-dong, doodly-doodly, ding-dong-doo. All right, we got another person born 1945, so happy 75th birthday to this guy. Born December 17th, 1945 in Benton Harbor, Michigan. He never knew his father, and his mother died of tuberculosis when he was two months old. Oh, yeah, is this, I had is, no idea. Is this person a wrestler? No. Okay. Pretty I consistent. did not know his background was that awful, but uh, he was raised by his grandma. Joined the Marines his first chance, but then got discharged due to asthma. So he went to Detroit and worked as a playwright and started a small theater company with other black writers and performers. Hmm. All right. We have talked about a ton of his work, uh, and most of these are going to be super unhelpful. But let's go with Collision Course, Mr. Magoo and the Watcher. Is it Ozzy Date? No, it's no. Is it James Earl Jones? No. How about uh, Leviathan or The Substitute? Tom Berenger. No. How about, yeah. n- I think it's next week or the week after we get to talk about Miss Congeniality. That's and also, fair. sorry, what? That's not fair. That's not a Chris movie. All right. Well, how about he was on Oz for like most of it? Oh. Um, is it Adab- no, it's not Adabisi. Um, no. I oh, Char- Charles anything. Dutton. Nope. No. Nope. Um, okay, the next one I say is going to give it to you. So, Sarah, do you want to make a guess? Oh, gosh. I am totally Oz. blinking on who it could be. How about Ghostbusters 2? Ernie Hudson. Bang! There you go. Nice. Really? Happy Ernie birthday, Hudson. Ernie Hudson. Man, Ernie Hudson. 75. 75. Yep. Okay. And looking good. Looking I finally really watched, good. finally watched all of Grace and Frankie. Oh, my God. Uh, I love that show. Oh, my and God. That is, show is so good. He is so adorable on it. I, I want to marry him. He's like the Me. best guy. Who is oh. he? Who is he on Grace and Frankie? Does he come Hi. between Sam Watterson and Martin Sheen? Oh, <laughs> that would be my dream. <laughs> no, he's the yam guy. He grows yams. <laughs> oh, he's lube. Big yam lube. He's Lily Tomlin's <laughs> love interest. What? Oh wait. Oh no, their husbands are gay. They're not. Okay. Right. Sorry, I watched like the first two episodes of that show and never thought about it again. Oh, uh, it's so good. It's really funny. Yeah, the the first episode or two, it takes a couple to get moving. And then mm-hmm. once it moves, it is just great. Yeah. Season after season. I loved it. So good. Well, that is it. That is it for us. Uh, check out. Uh, be sure to tune in the show next week. Maybe tell a friend about the show. Maybe listen to another show on the Laser Time Network. I'm tired of begging you people. Patreon.com slash Laser Time. Have a happy holidays. And uh, what are we closing out with this week? Uh, dude, good pick, die. D-Rez by Daft Punk from Sean yeah. Legacy. The game has changed. is also good. You know what? I'm not going to go through the soundtrack. Just go buy it for yourself. Thank you guys so much for listening. Take us out, Daft Punk.